listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Podcasting to you from the landlocked town of Edmond, Oklahoma, where I will familiarize myself with the cough button. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from Piedmont, Oklahoma, where I've just adjusted to... Living with the cough 24-7, 365. I'm Andrew Hoffman. All right, so the Hoffman household has been sick. Yeah, it's only been like three weeks of, you know, coughing bad enough that you can't sleep without a cough drop or whatever. I, uh... Well, the, the Kilkenny household has, has joined the ranks of the Hoffman household in this last yeah. week, and now... Everybody over here is sick. Not everybody, but a good percentage of us. Uh, uh, this one, uh, uh, main, mainly me. Not not no. not too often. I can count on. I can I can count that uh, I was the sickest one in the house. But uh, these last couple of days, it's definitely I'm the leader in the clubhouse, which is weird. You know, you're like the leader. You're like the 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 encourager, the cheer honor, and, and you're like struggling with aches and pains and strange, just feeling bad. You know. Yeah, people don't know how to react to that. <laughs> They're just like, "Oh, this is weird." He's sick. My yeah, son, my, my son, as sweet as he is, he like wants me, like is trying to do nice things for me. But the poor kid, oh, he that's... was as he was as sick as me. I mean, he had a fever that was super high. He was for a couple of days there. He was way sicker than me. So I don't know. He's a he's a good kid, and uh, it seems like today Bur- he's out of it. But burned up, it out. It's what, good to go. I think so. Yeah. Burned it out for sure, for sure. I'll, all right, just to share a little bit with the audience, a little personal personal kind of uh, thing that's going on here. So you and I have been talking about letting the kids get have the fever. Uh, I went up one day to check on him in the, in the night because I've been worried about him because his fever's so high. And, uh, you know, it's not that high, but it's high. 102 somewhere in that range but this is right about the the range where people start freaking out and bringing their kids to urgent care repeatedly you know what i mean like this is the uh oh don't let it get too high 
of course, I'm not doing that based off some of the research you've produced and just stuff I've read on my own. We're just trying to burn it out. But I think it's like day two or three, I went up there and he's sweaty, kind of clammy. He's got the, got the fever going and I'm just, and like his heart's going a million miles an hour and he wakes up and I'm like touching him. And so he, he freaks out that I'm touching him. And then he just starts to have these like delirious outbursts, like clearly in the middle of some fever dreams and stuff. I, I caved at that point, gave him one little, little bit of ibuprofen that, at that night, because he, he was literally like hallucinating. Like he was, he was pointing oh. at stuff like, what's that? What's this? And he, and he was upset. He was crying. And so I just, I just held him and spoke calmly to him. I'm your dad. Everything's fine. Blah, blah, blah. But Anyway, so I, I gave him a little bit of ibuprofen that night. But other than that, he burnt it all out. But I just wanted to share that, not because I want to share super personal stuff about about him, uh, because I try not to do that because it's not his. He's not consenting to this podcast. But I say that just to kind of let the listeners know that this is, you know we struggle with this stuff too. I want him oh, to yeah. I want him to burn it out. I want him to have a fever so that he gets better and he's able to defeat it next time. But. You know, there's a certain. I have my limits too. I got my limits too, and I'm yeah. like, I'll, I'll give you this. Let's, let's see if this helps. And I asked him the next day. I was like, Hey, man, you remember when I, you know, when I was talking to you and I got you that lemonade? And he's like, he looks at me, just kind of squints his eyes, and he goes, I thought that was a dream. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> excuse me. Anyway, well, uh. I there was somebody who posted. I'll just interrupt real quick. But there was somebody who posted something on Twitter. Uh, it was just a kind of impromptu poll by one of these health guys, not even a doctor, but just like one of these like weightlifting bros and uh, life coach type of dudes. And he's like, "Hey, how often are you sick this year? Once, twice, three times?" And he was just kind of mentioning it, like interested to see what people's different you know experiences were. It's got a big, decent following on, on Twitter. Uh, the responses were pretty intense, but it was like a lot of people were like, I've been sick more this year than I've ever been sick. I don't understand what's going on. And other people are like, my kids are bringing home something every other week. This is super weird. Or, you know, I've only been sick once, you know, usually get sick maybe once a year. I've been sick three times in the last four months. Some people in the in the thread, because this is not a political thread in any way, not that this is political, but uh, some people were like, I've never been sick. I usually get sick once or twice a year, but I've been sick every month, at least once since I got the vaccine. There was just a lot of interesting responses that, you know, I can't tell what it, the cause of it is. There's so many variables in my life over the last year, including moving 2,000 miles away, but it does seem like everybody's sicker. Yep, it does indeed. It certainly feels that way too. And as someone who, you know, most definitely didn't get the vax, it's impacted me and and my unvaxed family as well. So you should have got the vax, then maybe. I think that's maybe that's what it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe not. You don't think so? Just, I'd rather be sick than dead. So, well, yeah. I don't. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't know. I I've got some got some clips. I don't know if you were. Uh, even Tucker is talking about vaccine adverse events. You want to start off with that clip? 
Oh, I'm nowhere near ready. So, listeners, I am not on my game. I have been sleeping strange, and I'm going to do my best right now, but I should already be clued in to have what he's talking about loaded, and I don't. So, there it is. Everybody just be patient with me. Be patient with my sniffs, too. Andrew said they're just as bad as my cough. So, all right. I think I'm ready. Do you want to go? Are we going? Tucker. A link to neurodegenerative disease, myocarditis, Bell's palsy, liver disease, impaired adaptive immunity, impaired DNA damage response, etc. So it's possible, in fact, it's looking likely that the vaccine might suppress the immune system. This fact, the authors concluded, will, quote, have a wide range of consequences, not the least of which include the reactivation of latent viral infections and the reduced ability to effectively combat future infections, end quote. Now, again, we sincerely hope that's not true, but it's not just the conclusion of one scientific journal. The Lancet, maybe the most famous scientific journal in the world, released similar findings in February. The Lancet's piece was entitled, quote, Risk of Infection, Hospitalization, and Death Up to Nine Months After a Second Dose of COVID-19 Vaccine. A physician called Kenji Yamamoto made this observation about the data from The Lancet. He wrote this in a letter to the Journal of Virology, and we're quoting. The study showed that immune function among vaccinated individuals eight months after the administration of two doses of COVID-19 vaccine was lower than that among the unvaccinated individuals. Ah, Now, your first response, if you're a humane person, to a line like that has got to be deep sympathy. Because people were misled, they were forced. They were forced. Medical ethics thrown out the window. People were forced to take medicine they didn't want. And some of them may have been hurt by it. And you don't have to take this man's word for it. Pull up the Lancet study yourself. You won't find anything of the text of the article saying what Kenji Yamamoto said, which is weird. Why would the Lancet want to hide a major finding like that? We can't say. But if you look at table three in the piece, here's what you'll find buried in the data. Among people around the age of 80 who have been double vaccinated, that would include people like Joe Biden, the per capita rate of medical incidences, including hospitalizations or death, is nearly twice as high as the rate of serious incidents for the unvaccinated. This is 180 days after vaccination. What is that? And why is no one interested? Well, Tucker, it starts with F and it ends with Arma. Wait, there's it a really far- start with that. That's a joke. <laughs> so, there's a farm involved. Listen, my daughter will be disappointed to hear the farm that Sean the sheep had anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. Well, man, I got so so much stuff to get to. Uh, I got I got something I could throw in at this point. Okay, go for it. This is uh, super important. This actually was just today. So, vaccinated and unboosted versus vaccinated plus boosted. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get boosted. But the real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. Any ideas what the real danger is, Andrew? Uh, just not being vaccinated. So that's where we expect if we're going to see a problem this winter, it's going to. Well, did I mess up my own clip? Vaccinated and unboosted versus vaccinated plus boosted. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get boosted. But the real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. So that's where we expect 
if we're going to see a problem this winter, it's going to. There it is. People who have not been vaccinated, if you're going to see a problem, that's where it'll be. That's interesting. Well, uh, I, I had part of the same clip, but it's got a little more. It's under Fauci final message. Oh, it's final message. What I tell me more. What what are we talking about here? Is this he, the, he's no? This is like the same thing you pulled that clip from, but it's the better part. Ah, well then here we go. But is it his final message? Is that why? Well, you'll you. The real. Oh my gosh. World BA four five that has been circulating, and we know that that is really quite good. So we have immunological data, and you have now clinical efficacy data. Everybody was asking the question, where's the clinical efficacy data? Now it has come out with the CDC MMWR this morning. So we know it's safe. We know that it is effective. So my message and my final message, maybe the final message I give you from this podium, (laughs) is that please, for your own safety, for that of your family, Get your updated COVID-19 shot as soon as you're eligible to protect yourself, your family, and your community. I urge you to visit vaccines.gov to find a location where you can easily get an updated vaccine. And please do it as soon as possible. Thank you. Not backing down. So if there are any people on this, listen to this podcast, who are on 4chan or hang out in hacker circles or anything like that. Somebody could splice together the VAERS report with vaccines.gov. You could hijack vaccines.gov and like forward it to the VAERS uh, database. That would be amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. His final address. Huh? My final his, address, maybe from his, this podium. His final message. Until he goes and gets the big money payoff from Pharma. Working for the Gates Foundation, I don't know. Maybe it won't be that obvious, but it'll be, it'll be some nonprofit that he's, you know, getting well paid, well compensated for. That's my prediction. Oh, oh, that just that reminds me. I didn't get the Stu Peters clip where he says, "How does he get to retire? He should be hanging from a tree." Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, which. Uh, I don't believe you've seen the died suddenly yet, have you? You know, the fact I haven't seen it is is only because I was sick. Last night I went, I like sat down, I was ready to go, but I had taken melatonin and drank some chamomile tea and was really pre- amping myself to get some rest. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I dozed off and I nodded off within the first few minutes. I was like, well, you know, I think the most important thing is that I feel better. So I wanted to like have, have accomplished watching it for the podcast today, but I also wanted to do the podcast today. So I thought I I went with feeling better. So please, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it. Don't. Yeah. I did did some, I did some work there. So it was, Oh wow. We got some clips. Let's look at this. Yeah. We get, we got some clips and yeah. If you sort them by the uh, modified, it'll it should all make sense there. But okay. Um. So the uh, this guy Matthew Miller Scow and Nicholas Stumphauser, 
So these are the same guy with Stu Peters producing. So I'm like, oh, it's the same guys who did, who did uh, Venom, or the yeah, I did the Venom documentary. It's in the water, which I wasn't a huge fan of. So yeah, well, I was a, yeah, no, I wasn't either. And I think that there was a lot of everybody got hyped up about it, started talking about it, but there was a lot yeah, of strangeness it, around it. Um, and a lot well, of, but some, anyway, but no hit, hit point. So. I know I had, it's beside the point. What I was just trying to lead to was that for some strange reason, and I think you can agree with this, Stu Peters and that production crew have an ability to reach out and grab yep. a target audience, which is the target audience that we're speaking to as well. And all of those people did watch that movie, regardless of how we feel about that movie. He has that ability and whatever production team they have now has shown that they can do that. Yeah. Uh, I was talking it's, to someone earlier today who had seen the documentary last night, and I looked down online while they were talking about it and saw that it already had 2.7 million views. And that's on uh, Rumble, and they hadn't even watched it on Rumble. So right. it's, it's also yeah. on Twitter. It's all over the place. Yeah, when, when, uh, when my wife and I went to watch it, it wouldn't even play on Rumble. It was getting swamped Throttled. so much. I had to go to get someone, someone, you know, a bunch of other people had uploaded it on Odyssey, and that's where we watched it. So it was, uh, yeah, they know, and it's it's short, you know, it's barely over an hour. It's almost, it's like half documentary and half kind of Twitter link or Twitter type cut video, you know, music throughout. So I. You know, as far as the style goes, it's you could certainly criticize that, but yes, definitely attention getting. And what they do, um, you know, there's some talking head interviews, but they have a lot of like literally in the in the funeral home, in the mortuary, in the you know, talking to these people, and then doing like working with cadavers like pulling blood clots out of people out of bodies you know on screen so it is if you're squeamish uh you know be prepared to look away a lot i guess but um i I can be squeamish you know little known fact about me i can be a bit yeah even if even if you don't think you're squeamish you might be a little squeamish at some of this i mean pulling these these uh, thick, white, fibrous clot things or structures out of there. Structures is the word. It doesn't look like it's blood. But anyway, let's get into some of these yeah. clips. So they, um, I'll cover the, the first part. So they, they do some introduction with Malthus and Ehrlich, and people who listen to this podcast will be familiar with that. People complain about overpopulation. Got a Tom Hanks clip. I didn't, I didn't clip it, but Tom Hanks talking about... Malthusian theory. Oh, Tom Hanks, you're so smart. Um, and, uh, you know, they just interview these different people that we've heard from. We've heard from most of them. Oh, I think Greg Reese pulled that uh, that Tom Hanks uh, speech out this week. With okay. His thing. Anyway. Uh, Robert Hirschman is an embalmer. Okay. And he he said, of the bodies he's looked at, since the vaccine or 
since a, a few months after the vaccines, and there's a reason for that, uh, only 14% did not have significant clotting. Hmm. And it's so just, pretty much everybody. Pretty much every dead person, yes. So, uh, and I mean, we're talking all different ages. There's, you know, here's some sad clips on that later, but uh, they're seeing. And not just the the white fibrous clots, but there's more like traditional clots, and there's also uh, just impurities in the blood that they say are unusual. You know, I'm not, I don't work with dead bodies. I'm not familiar with what the blood usually looks like when they drain it out of a, a you know, recently deceased person. But they said it's like it's got, it looks like coffee grounds or sand in the blood. And it showed it. It's it's very strange looking. So, um, all right. So we get we get some clips. Uh, this is from Teresa Long. I think she's got her intro in there. This is and also talking about some of the insurance data. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, and I've been invited here today to testify to the truth before the legislators of Idaho. The information I'm presenting is made as a protected communication under Title 10 USC 1034 as a whistleblower. My opinions are my own and do not reflect that of the United States Army, the DOD, or any entity thereof. Insurance companies figured that if there was something catastrophic that happened to the United States, they would see a 10% increase in all-cause morbidity mortality. 10% just like an unprecedented, catastrophic, you know, natural event or something that happened in the United States. U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. 40% is, no one's even, no one's even calculated that. I mean, that, that's never been uh, factored into what things would look like. It's apocalyptic. In my 15 years as a doctor taking care of soldiers, I have never seen this litany of debilitating and potentially deadly medical conditions in soldiers. These conditions included strokes, transit ischemic attacks, pericarditis, myocarditis, erratic heart rates, arrhythmias, rapid onset and progression of various cancers to include testicular cancer, esophageal cancer, brain tumors, neuroendocrine tumors, spinal tumors, thyroid dysfunction, multiple sclerosis, cognitive impairment, persistent severe insomnia, suppression of the immune system, unprovoked blood clots in the splenic and portal vein, avascular necrosis, liver dysfunction, menstrual irregularities, and miscarriages. So uh, that shows you where we're going. That's well, just the good side effects. <laughs> that's just the, and that's. It's important. That's military. These are very young people. Yeah. That she's dealing with. Yeah. And we've got some Lee Merritt clips later. Same thing. You know, she talks about. You're dealing with, these. This is the healthiest. That people are going to be when they're 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, normally. Um, all right, well, it's, we'll, we'll keep it moving. So this this clip is just kind of a, 
spliced together of various villains. We've heard most of these before, but uh, see if you can name all the villains, Tim. All right, here we go. Pen and paper ready. Let's see here. Uh, oh. uh, I got a pen. Here we go. We have a golden opportunity to seize something oh. good from this crisis. COVID-19 also helped legitimize instruments of control. It's a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. Therefore, we have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us. Give me a hard one, bro. That was too easy. <laughs> Charles in charge twice, George Soros once, Klaus Schwab twice, Dr- Justin Trudeau. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah, Charles was in charge. I thought that'd be something challenging. Come on, man. Oh, I, I thought you would do pretty well. I, you know, the, all the British aristocrats sound the same, so I thought that might be a little tricky, but yeah. He's got a, he's got a, a certain... It's pretty... Yeah, it's unique. It's like I don't know if it's nasally or whiny, but it's an exaggerated, worst version of that accent. Yeah, and it's I, I like that accent, but I hate this man and I hate his accent. <laughs> yeah, that's a, so. Also, right. I, I don't think I was. My wife was watching The Crown on uh, Netflix, which is about the. I I don't think I think it's I think it's universal to hate that guy. I think it's pretty much what, what people do. Like even people yeah. who are just even casual, people like, that love the yeah, monarchy, love, yeah, love like the, casually the watching world, some yeah. sort of monarchy television. He's the villain in the show. So anyway, yeah. well, you know, it's he he feels the same way about everyone else. So <laughs> it works out. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's let's play the safe and effective clip. I'd suddenly three. Somebody's going to tell us it's safe and effective, and why. Here we go. Is it really safe, and is it really effective? These vaccines are safe. They are incredibly effective. Vaccines are safe and effective. Getting a booster different from your original vaccination is likely safe and effective. But if there's one message that needs to cut through all this, the vaccines are safe. I promise you, they are safe and effective. Safe and effective. If there's anything I hold dear to my heart, you know, like when I wake up in the morning, I think my son looking in my eyes, telling me he loves me. My my daughter looking up to me, you know, trying to figure out, you know, me trying to figure out what she's saying. Joe Biden making a promise to me. These are things I hold dear. These are things that like they rank really high in my life. Like, you know, Joe Biden promised. Something. You know, the thing about sa- the word safe and effective is they're both kind of open to interpretation. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm on this level with you, but you you can take me there. Okay. So, what what does safe mean? Does safe mean I won't get hurt any harm? I won't get hurt. Well, how about if it just means not everyone will get hurt? Oh. 
And what you know, what does effective mean? We can. I mean, we have, we've played the clip where you can define effectiveness into two placebo groups. You it know? boggles the mind, right? These, these, this is the same yeah. people, the political class that like the guys like read my lips, no new taxes, and then the following year he introduced new taxes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other guy, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, and then like two years, like not even two years, depends like, what the definition of is a, is. A, no, a month later is depends on the de- what the definition of sexual relations is. Um, and so these people constantly split hairs, lie to us, and then tell us that they're telling the truth, even though we know it's a lie. There's weapons of mass destruction. Remember the aluminum tubes? There's yeah. aluminum tubes. They got giant aluminum tubes, also known as p- p- pipes. But they have aluminum tubes in Iraq, and then we invaded them, and it just turned out there's no weapons of mass destruction, no aluminum tubes that they could put chemical weapons in. These are the people. And yet, when we left Stone's, up, up to, we left it up to them to interpret what safe and effective is for us. And, and yet, many when Roger Stone them. forgets an email or gets the date wrong on when he sent an email, that can be defined as lying to the FBI and is punishable by prison time. Yeah, you know, just lying to the American people constantly, no problem. There's no no consequences. There's never any consequences. Fauci, you know, riding off into the sunset after the safe and effective. And man, you you get into this thing. I mean, you you see. Uh, we'll talk about the attempted debunkings afterwards, but uh, man, we, they did a good job of just showing it to you. Like, look look at this clot. Look at this fibrous thing we're pulling out of a vein you know i mean you don't have to be a doctor or or have any medical knowledge whatsoever to know that is not right we gotta give him credit i mean you have been playing clips from him for two years now i got a clip from rumble it's from this guy uh uh what's his name Stu Peters, and he's got Dr. Drew, Ruby Jane on with him, and what are we going to look at? And he's looking at <laughs> calamari-looking uh, yeah. microorganisms, and this one looks like this, and this one looks like it's this, and they're you know just the most outlandish, crazy stuff. He's been calling it out for years. Now they put it together in a documentary form. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we might as well. So this, enough of the... I guess the the propaganda clips that are on the they do a good job with that, but the bulk of the documentary is from whistleblowers, basically. So this is uh, it's a few different people talking, but Dr. James Thorpe is the main one, and he's um you know humbly describes himself as the most prominent uh, OBGYN like a uh, high-risk pregnancy doc in the country. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so you'll hear his opinions and a couple others as well. So. Hey, I'm going to blow your mind, Andrew. Died uh, suddenly four. I'm going to blow your mind, buddy. A lot of these doctors, not super humble. <laughs> the fetal demise in mothers, gestational mo- mothers, for in that 22 to 26 week period, um, I, I had a run of that in my funeral home, um, and 
five of the six were vaccinated. The other had remdesivir and uh, they all lost their infants. We're just seeing a fridge full of babies, but we're not actually doing the funeral. So that's, um, that's a mystery to me as to where, where these babies are, are going. So are you saying there's more fetuses in the refrigerators now than there was prior to 2021? Yeah, I'm saying there's more fetuses now in, in, in the refrigerator than I've seen ever before. I've been doing high-risk obstetrics for 43 years. I see a vast number of patients a year. Uh, I don't know of any other maternal fetal medicine physician in this country that sees as many patients as I do by ultrasound. At one point in time this year, I was on track to see 9,000, 9,000 high-risk OB ultrasounds. So I, I know what's going on, and I've seen death and destruction like I've never seen before. The stillbirth rate is measured in terms of live births per thousand. And really, it's come down in my career from about 10 to about almost 5.8 or 6. Now, let's go to 2021 and look at the stillbirth rate for Michelle's. This is horrifying. But if you take this death figure and you look at that rate at 29.3, that sigma that you're looking at, is 40 plus sigma standard deviation let that sink in this is from waterloo canada 83 stillbirths about 4,000 deliveries is that exact same thing you saw with michelle's if that weren't bad enough look at this I couldn't even put it. There were 13 dead fetuses in one 24-hour period. One 24-hour period. 1,200-fold increases in menstrual abnormalities. And then when we get into pregnancy, we're looking at a substantial increase in miscarriages, in birth defects, a substantial risk of fetal cardiac arrhythmia, fetal cardiac malformations, significant fetal growth slowing, significant reduction in amniotic fluid, fetal cardiac arrest. Are you saying babies are having heart attacks in the womb? Yes. The vaccine causes a significant inflammatory effect. Three different safety monitoring systems. Again, they found no significant safety signals for the mother or for the fetus, because we have to remember in obstetrics, we're dealing with two patients. So no increased risks to be vaccinated while pregnant. Anything that causes inflammation in my business, in my area of expertise, causes damage, injury, death, and destruction in pregnancy. We've known that for half a century. So there, you know, I mean, there, there's been some um, kind of questionable reports and what have you, and some of that is in, in the film too, but I mean, James Thorey, he might not be humble, but he is a serious doctor. You know, he's not going to put his name out there and just be making it up. Sure. Like, this is this is actually happening. And just anecdotally, I mean, first of all, depending on what age group you're in, you know, your friend group or what have you, but 
the few people that are having kids, it seems like everyone's got an issue. You know, it's never just like, oh yeah, happy and healthy, happy, you know, healthy kid. So it's it's pretty bad, and uh, unfortunately, the next clip is uh, kind of in the same same direction. You want to? Yeah, go ahead. The newborn baby. I stop and I drink it in because my heart aches to think that seeing a newborn baby may become one of the rarest things. And and I want to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But so many people have taken this. There's nothing as close to seeing the face of God as seeing a newborn. And you have just evil that is is destroying them. And 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 my heart hurts for God. Like you could give people all of this. And they would use their time, energy, and talents to try and destroy it. What the last two years has taught me is taught me that there is a pure evil in this world. A pure evil that has no respect um, for any of us. Where I can tell you we are regarded um, in much the same way as livestock. Much the same way as livestock indeed. There. Yeah. So it's uh we got one more. I think we've got one more. Yep. Okay. It's my professional medical opinion that this is a bioweapon and that this was a bioweapon unleashed against humanity with the intent to depopulate um, and control the population of the world. Basically, it's achieving its goal. If, if the goal was to reduce the world's population, it's working. This has been well planned. This is Agenda 2030. This is the Great Reset. This is what it's all about, you know. So one of the hardest things, um, knowing what I know, was, was accepting that people are going to die because they're just not going to believe it. We have to be the plan. And that means that each person in this room viewing this broadcast replaying this broadcast each one of you has a purpose each one of you has a critical god-given role and so if you are quiet or apathetic or complacent you have to stand before god and you have to answer for that i can put out a warning to all the people that are in the military right now officers who are in, responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen with their troops if you don't stand in the gap you're complicit in this crime if we, the only way we're going to save our lives is by together, clubbing together to do it. That's, that's our strength. And this is probably um, the most biblical world event that uh, anyone could ever imagine. It's World War Three. It's a spiritual war of good against evil. And I just hope that Matt, there's enough good in the world that we can rally together to defeat it. Because if we don't, these monsters will destroy humanity. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance, cause the world is ending. Dance, 
Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance like the world is ending. Dance, baby, dance 'cause the world is ending. Get vaccinated. It's incredibly effective, but the truth is, not enough people are getting it. We've got to change that, so we can all have a safe and healthy holiday season. I got another. I got another one. I can add on right to the end of this. This is perfect. This came out today. The best way I believe to counter misinformation and disinformation is to spread good information, to spread in science-based information, to have trusted voices. So I started my comments by reminding everybody that America's physicians, like the real leaders of American medicine, the people you trust for your cancer care and your heart care and your pediatrics care, are out there telling you you need to go get a vaccine. You can decide to trust America's physicians, or you can trust some random dude on Twitter. Like those are your choices. And I'll take the random dude on Twitter every day, every day, every single day, every day, <laughs> every day. The yeah, White House yeah. COVID czar, get out of here. Yeah. So there, this, um, it, you know, they they said what day it was going to come out, which was yesterday, I think, right? Yeah. The, yeah. November twenty first. So it was. He died suddenly was trending on Twitter. It yep. was streamed live on Twitter. Yep. Which was an interesting yeah, I was way gonna, to do it. And I was going to bring that up, but I didn't want to be wrong. But yeah, it feels like... So, yeah, we need to talk about Twitter at some point. But yeah, Twitter is open to the point now where we're live streaming died suddenly on Twitter. Wild. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. If it's, if it's a mistake or, you know, some of the... That was somebody's job that, uh, that well, got laid Andrew, off. Andrew, don't you know? Like the, <laughs> the guy got laid off who was in charge of the keeping everything on the up and up, and now you don't have that. And so, oh so my they, gosh, this thing has a million views since twelve hours ago. Three point nine million views on Rumble. Yeah, this is a uh, this is another one of those events. Yeah i <laughs> i can pick the I can pick the hits and. This is a hit. So it's. And, you know, is it the best documentary? No, the real Anthony Fauci is way better. Way better. But if if you're just going to show someone who's, you know, doesn't believe anything, this is it's a good thing to show them because it's going to, you know, you see those blood clot calamari things getting pulled out and it it'll stick with you so but uh that did not keep the the propagandists from quickly debunking it so this is from forbes and just a quick backstory on forbes it used to be a pretty conservative publication that uh, gentleman uh with the last name forbes ran for president yeah. as a republican yeah, the namesake, you know, he was, but he he sold it to the Chinese, to a Chinese company, and, you know, both somewhat before, but especially after, it's just, I mean, it's garbage. They gave Monsanto Company of the Year, it's just, just out and out garbage now, but, uh, so this is. New died suddenly film pushes unfounded depopulation claims hey, about COVID nineteen vaccine. I'm so sick of this, man. I just I, uh, all you have to say is like, 
unfounded and without evidence as you make all these stupid titles, all these big, you know, right. headline grabbing stories. Ca- and- calling it safe and effective is not not uh, unfounded, though. It's not without <laughs> evidence, right? It's because the government's saying it. So just it apparently, it just matters. So th- you got to warn me, man. This- I can't laugh or I'll cough. So yeah. So the. The pictures they choose for this is someone holding a cardboard sign that says it's not a pandemic, it's an IQ test. So I'm, Oof. you know, I like this, like that is one. Any any I, people I don't know st- he, any people standing in line in Oklahoma in August with winter coats on? No, but oh, the okay. the next picture is some girl with a We Are Q. Ah, there thing. you go. So there you go. I don't know what this has got to do with Q, but Every, apparently everything, everything that that's kind of wacky. Let's 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 lump it in yeah, here with these. Uh, well, with these. yeah, here we go. So a film t- entitled "Died Suddenly" premiered Monday on Twitter, and spoiler alert: it wasn't a rom com. But that doesn't mean that the film didn't have a whole lot of fiction. Even though a website bearing the movie trailer claimed that the film will present the truth about the greatest ongoing mass genocide in human history. This website also asserted that the global elite have broadcast their intentions to depopulate the world. And take a wild guess as to what this film claimed that these elite have been using to do their genociding and depopulating the world thing? Nickelback music? Low-rise jeans? No, COVID-19 vaccines. Yes, welcome to yet another conspiracy theory about COVID-19 vaccines. Actually, this conspiracy theory isn't completely new and has been sticking around for the past two years or so kind of like gum on an Ugg boot. It's been one half of a salad bar of anti-vaxxer claims that have emerged since the late 2020, ranging from COVID-19 vaccines turning people into gigantic magnets where keys can stick to their foreheads to COVID-19 vaccines, causing completely healthy people to drop dead. The title of this film is kind of like the movie titles Snakes on a Plane and Sausage Party in that it captures the story that the film is trying to tell. Died Suddenly spends much of its hour and eight minute runtime suggesting that many people have been dying suddenly after getting COVID-19 vaccines. Note the word suggesting rather than showing or proving. While the film shows headlines and stories of people dying suddenly, it never really provides much concrete scientific evidence leaking COVID-19 vaccines to all these deaths. It essentially just says, look at all these sudden deaths over the past couple of years and, oh, people in general have been getting COVID-19 vaccines. Never mind the fact that people have been dying suddenly ever since, oh, the beginning of human existence. So I guess that's what they're going with, just like people have always died suddenly. It's normal now. It's an interesting approach. Um, All right, back to the article. Never mind the fact that over a million people in the U.S. and over 6.6 million around the world have died from, you know, COVID-19 since early 2020. Never mind the fact that these people that people have been dying suddenly since Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene was elected to Congress when the film was elected to Congress when the film doesn't try to link these two sets of events. Oh, yeah, that's cute. In fact, the film shows images of people falling over who didn't actually end up dying. As Angela Rasmussen, PhD, a virologist at the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization at the University of Saskatchewan in Canada, indicated in the following tweet. And her tweet is... Died suddenly is trending, so let me save you the trouble of looking it up. Well, I'll translate that. Don't look it up. Uh, it's anti-vax propaganda. A couple hours of grifters telling lies so you'll give them money. Even half the people who supposedly died suddenly didn't die. 
How much how much money did you donate, Andrew? <laughs> after you got done watching it? Uh, zero. It, oh, I wasn't sorry. asked to donate either, to be honest. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's it's weird. kind of strange. It's a yeah. strange, strange grift. It is. It's the ultimate you grift. You don't even had, ask for money. <laughs> just had the, just had Stu Peter say like, "You, you got to do something about this, or you answer to God." That's a strange way of uh, <laughs> soliciting donations, but that's old school. A little bit old school. The old old televangelist way. So, so this debunking article cites a tweet. From someone who claims to be a doctor. Okay. And that's it. Just like she says half the people who it's a very scientific term. Half the people who supposedly died suddenly didn't die. So what she's referring to is the montage of collapses, right? Oh, uh, okay. And it's it's got the spinning around collapses and it's you know whatever. You can debunk a couple of them, fine. One of them happened in December 2020. Fine. But that does not change anything. I, I sent you one that was bad. I, I didn't even tell you this, but I figured out afterwards it was bad. I sent you one of a bunch of weightlifters. That is not a good video. So first off, a lot of those people in that video are long before the COVID vaccine ever came out. And second off, it's actually a super common situation for guys who are deadlifting, you know, five, six, seven hundred pounds to pass out to pass out yeah they could they kneel down they grab the weight they're using their whole body pushing up real hard and you know afterwards sometimes they pass out they just fall over so i you know i fell there all there's a lot of those videos out there i even fell for one sent it to you but uh yeah there are a lot of those videos out there so, so i'll give this... them that <coughs> and it's not really. I just the hit most the mute con- button for for you. By the way, I, I hit my own mute button when you started coughing. That's how. That's how oh, finger yeah. on the trigger my I am. Apologies. No, no, no. That's how finger on the trigger I am right now. Like I'm, I'm like ah, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to ruin the listeners. I d- didn't have time to go between tabs here. Hey, I was more a commentary on on your uh, on me being itchy itchy trigger figure here than your yeah. sounds. The film presents a clot. Of innuendo as well. Ha, oh, ha, ha, ha. the worst use of the word clot I have ever heard. It shows pictures of what looks like blood clots, yet never really confirms the true <clears throat> origins of them. Graphene oxide, graph, graph, just white, the white substance. They're not blood clots. It's like some sort of structure building in there, like builds to this same shape and size. Yeah, it's just well, it's there. It's not confirmed. So, so you're not worried about that. You're not worried about. <laughs> Unconfirmed reports. Who would confirm these reports? No. Unfounded. Without evidence. All right. So you get the idea. Um, But here's the good news. You go down to the bottom of the article and look at the comments. This is on Forbes. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's just do. Oh, they must have shut it off. They shut off the comments. But the ratio was about nine. Like, <laughs> okay, I watched this and I'm freaked out. Uh, or like, this person I know died. That person I knew died. You know, these 
I know a lot. I know several people that died suddenly. Like I am worried about this, and just calling out the writer. So, you know, I think Forbes will shut down that comment section pretty soon here. But for for now, it's it's the comment section is better than a better read than the article. But as is often so, the case, yeah. Oh, and it's got the link to uh, to Stu Peters' speech where he um, says Fauci should be hanging by the end of a noose somewhere, and the uh, AFPAC crowd gleefully chants, string him up, just string him up. Yeah, well, yes, right-wing watch. People do feel that way, indeed. So... Th- Anyway, that's that's my take on Died Suddenly. I, I give it a higher grade than um, Watch the Water, that's for sure. Ah, so, well, there you go. Yeah, you can... Not unmitigated? You can debunk, you know, like this tiny clip or that one statement or what have you. This is not, you know, James Corbett level research and rock solid information, everything sourced and what have you, but as an attention getting device on the issue, it is very effective. And that's so. like, we like we were just saying, they, they have the ability somehow to get to the hearts and minds of people and, and go really viral. Stu's been putting out these videos like crazy on rumble for a couple of years now. And it's built up this, uh, political clout, this power. Yeah. And interesting. He, uh, he didn't show any clips of Trump promoting the vaccine. There's the Biden promoting the vaccine. They're, they are available, you know, Steele. There are some... There's plenty of old Grandpa Moderna selling the the Magavax. So... But, uh... Yeah, so that... That's a big story. The other ongoing story, and we I've got some more vaccine stuff later. You got anything else you want to throw in with it now? Uh, about vaccines? Yeah. Hmm. Let me look. Well, I, I already know based off your title, one of yours is, uh, is something I already, I have. So. Oh, I've got the, uh, McCullough. The, the, I've got the Klaus Schwab ISO. Oh, we have an ISO. <laughs> For, from that villain's clip. Oh, okay. This is, Let's this see is, here. It's short. It's just a few seconds. All right. Sorry. Taking me a second. Oh. It's the future. Goodness gracious. It is not just happening. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. Oh, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us. In other words, the coincidence theorists are wrong. Klaus Schwab's telling you right there. Yeah. Stuff happens because people act and they act intentionally. It's not not just whoopsie. We gave you a poison vaccine. It's done on purpose. And and for a purpose, but uh, which uh, oh you've got the the Peter McCullough clips yeah well just the so, main, or the, the, the yeah. this clip so this this was part of a uh, interview with RFK uh, 
with RFK Jr. Uh, it was a good podcast. People should check that one out. I didn't clip it extensively. I just stole this this one clip, which was getting passed around on Twitter. Uh, but there's also a roundtable discussion on RSV. Okay. Um, that that Kennedy has up. That's very interesting. Um, I did not realize that RSV came from the polio vaccine. Did you know that? No, I did not. I, I'm so, going to shoot you straight on this one uh, and not act like I know what I'm talking about. I, I actually didn't really even understood what RSV was until sometime in this year of our Lord 2022. It just well, seems like it got a lot of good press and then it was everywhere. And now I'm seeing people post it on Twitter. My kid has it. Um, I've, I've spoken to several parents. How do I put this delicately? Uh, just parents of people I know who have been to the hospital several times uh, recently for RSV, high temperatures, yeah. and eventually diagnosed with RSV and or COVID and sent home. So the so RSV um, did not exist until the polio vaccine was being worked on, and they had all these sick monkeys and one of the lab technicians other than Anthony Fauci sorry <laughs> one of the lab technicians got sick in a similar way to the monkey okay and then it spread all around the barracks where he was staying there the research facility and it out went out from there and they don't really mention that they just kind of changed the name and acted like, oh, it's just a virus. You know, we know it's a virus, even though they don't know it's a virus. But um, exosomes. But that that set of you know that pathology comes from yeah exosomes, maybe parasites. It's a little a little preview for later. You know, not that sick monkeys would ever have parasites floating around. That's that's impossible to fathom. But uh, yeah, it it's mainstream they just don't talk about it but mainstream history that that's where it comes from so i'll thank you vaccine research safe and effective safe and effective and there's so for some reason there does seem to be a more severe version of rsv going around yeah it's and there's you know, where the mother's taking the COVID vaccine? Is it, you know, a, a is that lot what of we factors? have? Is, is that what we have right now? Is it, is it, is it, is it what we're, we're dealing with? Well, so, yeah, I, I'm going to stop talking about it because I didn't clip it. So we'll, we'll put a bookmark in it and we should talk about RSV at a future date. Sounds good. Because there, there were, was some good oh, stuff in there. Yeah, go ahead and play the Peter McCullough clip. This is good. The mandate has been ripped off the vaccines, and now people are critically examining all the vaccines, myself included. And we're finding the absence of uh, properly controlled trials. We're seeing vaccines being administered for, for easily treatable illnesses now, like uh, diphtheria and pertussis. And we're seeing now an absolute assault. We're seeing uh, you know children without question are receiving something like over 70 injections. When I was born, 
and I was a small child. There's only three. And now, um, and, and there's probably been inappropriate attribution of success. So even some of the, the, the early successes that were claimed to vaccines, they were probably more attributable to sanitation, uh, uh, other forms of, of medical care. So what's happening now is there used to be a rate of what's called vaccine hesitancy in the United States. That rate used to be roughly 2.5% of the population said, you know, I just, just don't want to do this or, for other reasons I've talked to, I did a, I did a great interview with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on my podcast. And it was interesting. I was a fully vaccinated doctor. I took all the vaccines. My mom took me in and she was a completely unvaccinated doctor. So she had never taken a single vaccine in her life. And, you know, and so we had a great, we had two different perspectives. Uh, but what we agreed upon is that vaccines, like any medical therapy, deserve reevaluation over time, that nothing has a permanence, nothing is a talisman, nothing has uh, an accept based on faith type of existence in medicine. Everything has its day. The medicines we're using now are not the same ones we used in yesteryear. And medicines get retired, vaccines should get retired, and everything should undergo critical appraisal. And the COVID-19 vaccine disaster has ripped the Band-Aid off this and now recent estimates are about 30% of parents now are very concerned about the entire vaccine schedule. I mean, that is awesome news. And I hope it's true. I have been seeing more and more people on Twitter like, hey, you know, like, I don't know how to, how do I put this? Um, I know that I'm not taking the COVID vaccine, but I'm starting to have my doubts about these other vaccines. Am I the only one? Like a lot of, po- <laughs> a lot of posts like this. Yeah. And that's, I guess, encouraging. Uh, who's going to tell uh, Dr. Peter McCullough that they they don't retire vaccines? There's no once you're kissed into the mafia, so yeah. money, you know, uh, oh, money. He, he money, knows he's yeah he's finding out all too much about the inner workings of the bureaucracy there. I mean, it's just ludicrous to try and take his his uh, board certification away and. The thing about it is, it's not his medical license, right? Right. That comes from the, yep. the state. But he said, you can't get insurance without board certification. Mm-hmm. So they're basically taking away your ability to practice medicine, you, you know, unless you want to do it without insurance. Which you don't. You can't. Yeah, I mean, you can't. There's People will sue you, you know, oh, yes. especially if they... No, you have money and don't have insurance, so you're an easy target. But uh, yeah, so this is they're going after, they're trying to make an example of them, but they let them talk for so long because I think they knew, man, this guy really does have all the credentials. And we, you know, they, I'm sure they tried to find dirt on him uh, and couldn't. And so now they're like, oh, we'll just strip away his stuff, kick him off of Twitter, and maybe that'll shut him up. And uh, he's just getting more and more awake and hardcore with it. So it's great. It, it is great, and you hope more and more people get like that. But uh, yeah. we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't often see that. And I got some examples of kind of. Both of those things. Uh, how about this? I got a doctor from Texas. She has a solution for the vaccine hesitant. Have you, have you seen this? 
No. Dr. Carol Baker, MD, out of Houston, Texas. Uh, Solution for the vaccine hesitant. The battle is being fought. One family, one physician, one health center. That's why we're doing as well as we are. We're talking about the minority and strategies (laughs) against the minority. So I have the solution. Every study published in the last five years, when you look at vaccine refusers, I'm not talking about, well, hesitants, most of them we can talk into coming to terms, but refusers. We'll just get rid of all the whites in the United States because Houston is the most diverse city in the entire United States. There's seven Asian languages spoken in that city. I've been a minority for more than 20 years in the city of Houston. The, the majority is we call Hispanic. That is not a race or an ethnicity. That is a political designation. But a lot of them are from Central, South America, Mexico. Guess who wants to get vaccinated the most? Immigrants. Open up that border. Who would have thought? You know, you put it all together. Get The open borders could be a money interest of Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah. She's the white. liberals are the liberals aren't the racist ones though. No, right, no, right. No, the no, vaccine no, they, eugenicists are not the racist ones. It's only only poor rural Republicans Andrew, can possibly be racist. Andrew, Andrew, I don't understand why we go through this a lot. I don't understand why you continue to have this problem. But she is anti-fascist. So because <laughs> she like she, she has a shirt that says Aunt, she doesn't have a shirt, but but because she's the anti-fascist, she's the good guy. Yeah. So, and she's white, so it's okay to to want to eliminate white people. But totally okay because she's white, though. But if she's white, it's okay. It's okay. Seems just a just a little focused on race. Is it? Is it maybe just just a little bit? I think that's kind of all she talks about. Maybe race is almost as important as vaccines. Certain ethnicities get their vaccines, but they they're definitely. Uh, marching on ahead, and I can't remember the gal who was interviewing this Dr. Mackis in Ontario clip. This is uh, from Canada, and uh, they're they're not stopping. This is not not over. So this was a good clip. I mean, there is a definite assault against the unvaccinated. And you've talked about how uh, even th- they recommend, you know, perhaps psychiatric medication or something for people that don't want to take a vaccine. So this has come out recently out of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. The college sent out a, a letter or a memo to all the doctors in Ontario suggesting to them. Now, so far, they're not mandating it. They're just suggesting it that any of their unvaccinated patients, that they should consider that they have a mental problem and that they should be put on psychiatric medication. So far, it's just a suggestion, but the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario should not be making these kinds of suggestions. This is extremely unethical, and this is a very, very slippery slope. Uh, if, If they're suggesting that people 
who wish to have bodily autonomy and, and don't want an experimental vaccine, that there may be something mentally wrong with them, that is a very, very dangerous, slippery slope that we're on. Oh, man, you're so right. I just thank you for your courage. The people of Canada are really... Uh, appreciative of what you've done how you're speaking thank you please don't uh, stop doing it uh, we're grateful for you and I know the world is also going to be hearing a lot more from you Dr. Mackis thank, thank you. you very much thank you very much thank you. I was going to clip out the thank you for your courage oh there you I go forgot. it's a good ISO for sure yeah. uh, so if you're I have some thoughts if you've refused the vaccine you must be crazy and here's some other meds. Yeah. And psych meds, the thing about psych meds is that they can't really trust you just to take your psychological meds if you've shown you don't really want to take them. So they might have to might have to throw you in a mental hospital and and force them down you. So this is this is very uh reminiscent of the Soviets, and this is the the gulags. So I have a clip. This clip has actually been sitting on my desktop for a month, maybe two months, and I, I haven't played it. Haven't you know brought it up? But we're talking about Canada here. Uh, if you'll if you'll think back to the clips we've already played, the guy talking about the uh, stillbirths is actually in Waterloo. That is where my mm-hmm. mom is. This is where my mother is from in Can- Canada. Oh wow! A uh, very s- small little area, but. Uh, you know, the, growing up, I went there frequently, and it, it was always like, they, looking at it now as an adult, pardon me, uh, they had like just like a tacit like trust of the government. It was like, we're America, we're just as free as America, but our government's a little more active, and they're social, they have good values at heart, good values in mind, and so we just kind of let them do their thing. You know, they our healthcare is way better in America. Silly people in, in America with their health. Silly people in America. Why do you fight a war? Yeah, it's easy. They'll need... let you do your own thing eventually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but it, that's kind of the, the 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 issue that Canada has encountered now is that that's a lot of them are waking up to the fact like, hey, wait, this tacit kind of trust of government and like, oh, we're a you know British monarchy colony or whatever. We're one of the elite countries who has democracy and we have a big parliamentary system and everything and we can trust our government because they have some social leanings and you know look at our prime minister he is a uh, drama teacher he can't be that bad but strangely trudeau has woken many of them up to realize like hey the drama teacher's terrible and they don't always have our best interests at heart and we got to do something but so so many of the rest of them are asleep at the wheel and can't wake up to that fact this clip i haven't played in over two months uh it's been sitting here and I don't even remember how it starts, so I don't know how to lead up to it. But uh, this is a gal who is also from Canada who wants everyone to stay vigilant because, as you just uh, kind of clued me in on uh, before we started your last clip, was uh, it's not over. It is not over. I'll go for it. <laughs> um, how, why are Canadians complacent? Why don't they realize that your government is corrupt? 
They don't realize our government is corrupt because they think they are free. They think right now that the mandates are over, the lockdowns are over, and that there is nothing holding them back. They are under the illusion of freedom. What they don't understand is there's still a lot of people that aren't able to work. If you were a federal government employee, you still can't work unless you're vaccinated. The post-secondary schools are still telling kids they can't come into post-secondary unless they're vaccinated, or they can't live in residence unless they're vaccinated. Tim Horton specifically said kids couldn't go to camp this summer unless they were vaccinated. They're now starting to do away with cash. You are not a, there are several restaurants I've gone to lately that won't accept cash, cash, even though cash is a legal tender. We are not free. We are under the illusion of free, and people are under the illusion of mandates and lockdowns are done. What they don't understand is that this is all just a dress rehearsal for what's coming up. And what's coming up is the digital convergence, bio-digital convergence, social credit system, and they're already prepping it and telling us it's coming. And people aren't listening because they're under the illusion that they're free because it hasn't affected their front doorstep yet. When will it affect our front doorstep? When they wake up and they no longer have money in their bank accounts and they're told that they are in a central digitalized banking system and they are told that they can buy bread only if they get the chip in their hand, which will complete the biodigital convergence. And it's all over our federal government websites and people aren't paying attention. They are telling us what's coming. Ontario.ca, which is our provincial government website, is talking about all the wonderful things Digital ID is going to do for you and more. You go all the way down to the bottom and it says working in affiliation with the World Economic Forum. People need to understand what the World Economic Forum is and that the fourth industrial revolution is what they are advocating for. And if anybody reads that book, page 121 is super, super important. And it talks about transhumanism. And 2025 is the deadline that they all think that transhumanism is going to happen. And it all starts with the biodigital convergence, digital ID. How convenient is that? Central digitalized banking service. How wonderful is that? We're going to find out very soon. KTDI, which is known traveler, digital ID. <laughs> she has been doing a lot of reading and not a lot of talking to people. Yeah, that's 100%. A lot, lot to say. A lot to say, absolutely. <laughs> um, she is beginning to see what's coming into view. There are a few people among us who actually have experienced what is kind of coming into view here. And of course, by a few of us, I would be talking about people like Andrew Tate, Alex Jones, and mm-hmm. Kanye West. This is a, I got a one-minute clip of Kanye where he begins to understand what is happening uh, with some of the bio-digital convergence that's happening. In America, the reason why I'm announcing that I'm running for president is I want the FCC to look at my money. If the FCC was looking at my money, there had been a possibility that Adidas wouldn't have went into J.P. Morgan and froze my account and put a $75 million hold on four different accounts. I went from being a multi-billionaire to not being able to use my Apple Pay. Four nights ago, I couldn't use my Apple Pay because somehow Adidas was able to legally go in and freeze my money. And when I see this, I think, well, if this could happen to me, this could happen to other Americans. And for what? You know, this can happen to an American that didn't even steal anything, that didn't even hurt anyone. This could just happen to you for saying the wrong idea 
out loud for expressing yourself. Yeah. Oh, it could. So it could happen to those Canadian truckers who they froze their bank accounts. They kept them from getting donations. They made up. You know, they said they were terrorists. And now in Brazil, Brazilians protesting the <coughs> stolen election results have their bank accounts frozen. A similar tactic to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau used to crush civil liberties protests. It's almost like there's a like a one world government. And they're like, hey, the way to stop this yep. is to do this. I mean, Bolsonaro... I mean, they have it out for that guy. Oh, yeah. Tried tried killing him, tried killing him with COVID, tried stabbing him, and then just rigged the election against him. People are still fighting, so now they're freezing their bank accounts. Hmm. And uh, the person who, at least of, of the people that we know, knows the most about this whole upcoming financial system james corbett put out a a new episode on a more advanced uh explainer on the cbdc's split circuit banking system it was very good um it, anything involving banking's like purposefully uh, kind of convoluted right so you have to actually pay attention uh, when you're watching it, it's not like a, a music video, but yeah, definitely some worthwhile information there. So they, they do want the control and James does a good job of pointing out that it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the bankers are on board with the idea of jumping to a central bank digital currency and having that be everything right because that would kind of cut all the big banks all the big commercial banks out of the deal and they're you know so oh, look for sure, some sure, sort sure. of that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah yeah look for some sort of hybrid system you know i would think this whole thing with the uh jamie oh, diamond's we'll gonna your, come away okay on this deal isn't he i mean we gotta We'll give you your your COVID relief funds, uh, but you can't wait for endless days for it to show up in your bank account or, or for us to send you a check. So we'll just we'll just use the CBDC for that. And so we you know make sure you got an account, but you'll still have all the other banking uh, structure. It's just I think it'll be a, a camel's nose under the tent type of deal. I have no idea what that reference means, and I'd like to circle back to it. But uh, the flashback, don't you remember 2020, the when they first brought the CARES Act forward to help us get through COVID, to help the country get through COVID, there was verbiage in there for CBDC. There was, yes. like, they put yeah. it all the way in there in 2020. They went all in, all the way. And somebody at the last second was like, I don't know if we're ready for this part yet. Yeah, and the... It wasn't a grassroots rebellion. It was probably someone at the Fed or someone, you know, with enough clout to one of the banks that runs the Fed. <laughs> Nancy and, Pelosi. Uh, <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. I think Nancy said. No, that. I, 
Uh, maybe because it was a Maxine Waters was pushing it, right? Yep. Yeah, but Nancy got the call from Satan. I mean George Soros, and they were like, <laughs> "I don't think the people are ready for this yet." Yeah, just... but it's free so money for them. Yeah, I think they just prefer money at this point. So speaking of uh, fake money. We talked about FTX a little bit. Uh, an interesting story came out that they weren't just funding Democrats. They were also funding uh, scientific studies, including the studies to show that uh, ivermectin doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Holy smokes. So, man, this... It's like this an, thing, it's a, it's a never-ending... Yeah. So I've got... It's seriously never-ending, like... People, yeah. you could spend weeks, months, days on this. Yeah. So there, there's so uh, much and, there. Uh, funding vaccine research. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, so they're worried now that some of these vaccine researchers will lose their, their funding. So, oh no. <laughs> um, you know, we can, and the guy's like free. It's numerous people have gone to the Bahamas and like went and like, he's just like walking around, getting coffee. I will be, if they lock him up, I'll be surprised. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's part of the deal. Yeah, I think it'll just be like, whoopsie, see, this shows we need more regulation, so this can't happen again. But, you know, it's a, it's just some innocent mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Revolver News, who we've we've read some of their stories previously, they did some good stuff on the FBI involvement with January 6th. And they have an article out as of a couple days ago. FTX on steroids is Tether, the Biden world's crypto BCCI. Tether, uh, huh? Wow. Yeah. And Tether got deep into it. I mean, it was part of the <coughs> part of the deal. Are you are you pulling completely away from vaccines and everything else? I feel like I'm not keeping up with my clips here. I was using the opportunity to jump to money stuff and I've got don't worry there's more vaccine stuff yeah okay the, the great, great thing about America, America is there's <laughs> there's always more football and the great thing about RRN is there's always more vaccine vaccine hate more anti-vax propaganda there's always so. more cough button there's always yeah. more cough button alright so this story is long I don't know if I'm going to make through it I might have to to mute myself uh, a couple times, but it, I think it's interesting. If you, oh dear, RRN listener, don't think it's interesting, you could skip ahead a little bit. But uh, just days ago, Bloomberg estimated 30 year old Sam Bankman Fried's uh, SBF's personal wealth at an astonishing $16 billion. Now the disgraced FTX founder is essentially bankrupt. And if there's a shred of justice in the world, soon headed for prison. I believe it when I see it. The shred of justice in the world? Huh, huh. The collapse of FTX and its founder is one of the most spectacular implosions in history. There's no shortage of narratives to mine for interesting article fodder. Celebrities like Tom Brady and his now ex-wife Giselle lost millions to the scam. There's the Silicon Valley smart money that was hopelessly entranced by the, a wonderkind founder. SBF also used his 
ill-begotten lucre to become one of the largest donors in left-wing politics of the past four years. There's also the FTX pet philosophy of effective altruism, the cult-like fad ideology of contemporary Silicon Valley that FTX exploited to become or to conduct his fraud and justify taking enormous risks. And who can forget the 28-year-old girl boss CEO of Alameda Research, Caroline Ellison, who bragged that her vast financial empire only requires elementary school math to turn profits, and whose public list of turn-ons includes controlling major world governments. All right, I think I unmuted myself, sorry. Uh, We'll take that out in post. All these storylines are being regurgitated ad nauseum by countless other media outlets. The story that Revolver's about to tell you is even bigger and more spectacular than all the other fascinating storylines listed above. In fact, dear reader, FTX may not even be the biggest scam in crypto. Another even more spectacular scam may may still be live, ready to collapse at any moment, if anyone decides to take a real look at it. The story you're about to hear concerns the third largest cryptocurrency on the planet, which you've probably never heard of. It's a story of how a former Disney child actor, a Jeffrey Epstein associate who was embroiled in an underage sex scandal, bizarrely emerged as one of the world's strangest cryptocurrency moguls. It is a story that raises serious questions as to whether an entire an entire cryptocurrency is a scam, effectively a private money printer. And to top it all off, there is reason to believe that the this cryptocurrency is a scam that is that if this cryptocurrency is is the scam that it appears to be it will nonetheless be allowed to continue because this particular cryptocurrency's usefulness to intelligence agencies in funneling money to foreign rebel groups and jihadis with plausible deniability USDT or tether is what is known as a stablecoin a stablecoin is a cryptocurrency that instead of fluctuating in value is intended to hold the consistent price. Tether is a US dollar stablecoin. Each tether is supposed to be equal in value to one US dollar. While most cryptocurrencies are wildly speculative and backed by essentially nothing, each tether is supposed to be backed directly by a US dollar or an extremely liquid, reliable investments like a US treasury bond. These US dollar stablecoins are used on cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency exchanges to conduct the on, block, on the blockchain trades in lieu of using actual U.S. dollars. Without stable coins like Tether, the current crypto ecosystem simply would not exist. There are multiple U.S. dollar stable coins, but Tether is by far the most popular. According to CoinMarketCap.com, Tether has the third largest market cap of any cryptocurrency at $66 billion, trailing only Bitcoin and Ethereum. Today, fully half of all Bitcoin trades globally are executed using Tether. Sorry about that. All right. Oh, let's find my spot again here. Okay, so I'll skip a little bit. Um, It cites another article from crypto news site Protos. It says, earlier this year, Proto shed light on that mystery by reporting that just two companies 
Alameda Research and Cumberland Global were responsible for seeping roughly two-thirds of all tether into the crypto ecosystem. Alameda Research is who, Tim? I don't know. Who is it? That's the, that's the, the shell company for FTX. Ugh. Oh, right, right, right. For, that's uh, the, for uh, Ivermectin. The, Sorry, my fault. That's the w- weird-looking gal there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, equally dark and, and strange rabbit hole involving that lady. Yeah. M- moving on. Some of that's in the article, but it, yeah. Did that last sentence set off any alarm bells? It should have. Alameda Research is the quantitative trading firm founded by Sam Bankman Fried. And his partner in crime, Alameda CEO Caroline Ellison, allegedly propped up their trading firm by plundering FTX customer accounts. The inner workings of Tether remain remarkably opaque. New Tethers are supposed to only be minted and added to the crypto ecosystem when somebody gives Tether limited dollars to create them. And if that's how it all worked, Tether would be fine. But there is no evidence that Tether actually works this way. We repeat, there's no proof that Tether stablecoins are backed by the store of tangible assets that is supposed to justify their value. Despite first being released eight years ago, Tether has never been audited in any way. It first promised an audit back in 2017 to, you know, happen eventually. How is that coming along five years later? As reported by the Wall Street Journal, Tether says audit is still months away as crypto market falters. Uh, it's got some, well, okay. So they said they're going to audit it. They haven't, there hasn't been an audit. There was a, um, what did they call it? Snapshot. They said, well, we're not ready for an audit, but we'll do a snapshot. Like, look, here's our money. And they transferred $382 million into its bank account before the accountants checked the numbers for the, the snapshot deal from uh, Bitfinex. Hmm. So, yeah. You're probably getting the idea that this just might be a scam. All right. But uh, as the... as the excellent memes going around state if you think ftx was a scam wait till you hear about the federal reserve but uh anyway back to the tether article it's important to state that uh what is happening if tether is not actually backed by the dollars that it claims if tether limited is pumping out new tethers without actually taking in an equal amount of us dollars then it is essentially a privately run money printer. Just manufacture new tethers, pump them into a crypto exchange, use them to buy Bitcoin, then sell the Bitcoin for real US dollars. That would be, in the words of Dire Straits, money for nothing. To avoid a Dire Straits situation, in other words, the whole system must place its faith in the unaudited pinky promise of Tether's management team. So what remarkable financier is behind this arrangement? What person of impeccable morals is helming Tether such that it commands so much importance in the global crypto ecosystem despite doing so little to merit confidence? Does anyone remember the Mighty Ducks movie? 
or how about the Sinbad movie First Kid? Anybody ever watch that on the Disney Channel back in the day? <laughs> anyway, that... This guy, Pierce... What's his first name? Brock Pierce. In the early 90s, Pierce enjoyed a brief career as a child actor, but even before reaching legal adulthood, Pierce pivoted into a new career, which would soon end bizarrely. You got any reading in you, Tim? You want to take over? Um, not, not really. I okay. can't. I can't. Okay. No. I, I, I'm actually struggling right now. I'm wishing I had more than just water because my throat is scratchy and I'm I'm not even reading and I'm coughing. <laughs> so I, I'll try to keep it going if you want to go grab. No, it's okay. Something, it's okay. But... I'll I'll stay here with you. <laughs> Excuse All right. me. So this guy, he retired from <laughs> acting. It's a poor excuse for a pod podcast. They guess <laughs> basically an injured. We're doing a show. We can't we can't throw off our whole schedule for fifty two weeks a year. Kill Kenny here. <laughs> so, uh, Pierce retired from acting and co-founded the video production startup Digital Entertainment Network, or DEN. Interesting acronym. Alongside businessman Mark Collins Rector, at age seventeen, Pierce served as vice president taking in a base salary of $250,000. That's not bad for 17 years old. Den became the poster child for dot-com excesses, raising more than $60 million in seed investments and plotting a $75 million IPO, but it turned into a shorthand for something else when in October of 1999, the three co-founders co suddenly resigned. That month, a New Jersey man filed the lawsuit alleging alleging Collins Rector, that's one of the co-founders, had molested him for three years beginning when he was 13 years old. The following summer, three former DEN employees filed a sexual abuse lawsuit against Pierce, Collins Rector, and their third co-founder, Chad Shackley. The plaintiffs later dropped their case against Pierce after he made a payment of $21,600 to one of their lawyers and Shackley. But after a federal grand jury, ind grand jury indicted Collins Rector on criminal charges in 2000, the Den founders left the country. When Interpol arrested them in 2002, they said they had confiscated guns, machetes, and child pornography from the trio's beach villa in Spain. Pierce managed to get just out of this... Quick, just real quick. Yeah. Most of the time when I stay at a, a beach villa, one of the little known things about like the best way to pack your bag... Just machetes and, and child porn. Just it's really, it's really all you need yeah. for a good beach villa. Yeah, just with your your two like former business associates, totally yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah just, just traveling machetes and child porn. Yeah, it's, I mean yeah. that's that's it. You just hang out on the beach, and that's, that's seems like, like a trustworthy. Guy. Yeah, it seems like a, it's like a, this is like a normal thing. So he got out of that without being charged, and his I, strange path through life continued. I feel like we should, before you read this article, we should have played Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. <laughs> FTX is moving up. I mean, they are definitely Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan at this point. Yeah. I, I think the, the, they started off like, hey, there was this weird crypto company that went under, and now we're three weeks in, and you're digging up dirt that is even worse than last week's dirt. So, yeah. Wait. Is there somehow an Epstein connection here? You might be wondering. Wait, is oh, that real? Oh, you 
You bet there is an Epstein connection here. In early 2011, about a decade after the digital entertainment network imploded, Brock Pierce visited the Virgin Islands to attend MindShift, a conference of top scientists hosted by Epstein. A representative for Pierce said he didn't even know who Epstein was when he flew commercial to the event, which the financier had arranged as part of his elaborate effort to launder his lurid reputation. It was not even 18 months after Epstein had completed his slap-on-the-wrist solicitation sentence in Florida and registered as a sex offender. Nothing suggests that anything of a sexual nature or anything untoward at all occurred at MindShift. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Pierce is only one of two dozens of figures in Epstein's dizzyingly vast network, and the link between the two may be nothing but a curiosity. But it is a strange tale how a former child actor who never went to college ended up as an Epstein guest, a seemingly unlikely addition to a group that intended a NASA computer engineer, an MIT professor of electrical engineering, and a Nobel laureate in theoretical physics. I don't know what he had to do with science or why he was there, said one person who attended. So we have the world's third largest cryptocurrency, a stablecoin that has never been audited, founded by a washed-up former child actor involved in a sex scandal with underage minors that quietly dissipated without charges, who has prospered in crypto despite zero technical background, and who maintained a hard-to-explain connection to Jeffrey Epstein. But hey, Pierce said he wasn't he hasn't actually been involved with Tether since 2015, and maybe Pierce was just the celebrity face of the venture, and the other leaders have more legitimate background. Tether's CEO is John John Louis Vanderveld, and this comes from uh, Financial Times. <coughs> The chief executive of Tether ran a company that faced a string of lawsuits in China over unpaid bills and fines for late tax payments before he helped launch the contentious stablecoin now at the heart of the crypto industry. As crypto has moved from finance's fringes to its mainstream, investors have increasingly relied on stablecoins, digital tokens backed by real-world assets, as a means to buy and sell volatile currencies such as Bitcoin. That's kind of funny. Funny way of saying that, Financial Times. Alright, struggling. But as Tether's role in the crypto universe has mushroomed since it was founded in 2014, with $78 billion of its stablecoins now in circulation, so has scrutiny from regulators. The company's rapid rise has also turned the spotlight on publicity-shy chief executive John Louis Vanderveld. The 58-year-old Dutch native's career spanning IT sales in Hong Kong, Germany's software industry, and an alien Chinese electronics manufacturer gave few hints of the significant role he would later assume. While U.S. politicians race to gather more information on Tether, even some of the group's biggest customers say they have had few dealings with its chief executive. Sam Bakeman fried the chief executive of FTX, the Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange recently valued at $25 billion, so you know this article was a while ago, told the Financial Times earlier this year that he had only met Vanderveld once in person. My sense is that he's less involved in the external operations aspect of the business and more involved in internal management and leadership, Bankman Fried said. Another cryptocurrency executive who has had dealings with Tether's management put it more bluntly. I don't know a lot about JL, and most people don't. 
Hmm. Oddly sparse. Well, how about Tether's CFO, Giancarlo Devosini? And this comes from... Uh, let's see. Where do you... Is this from the same Financial Times? Anyway, so this guy is a former plastic surgeon who's um, quit the profession just two years out of university in 1992 after despairing at the job. All my work seemed like a scan. scam. The exploitation of a whim, he told an Italian art gallery in 2014. All right. As it turns out, seemed like a scam may be a fitting description of Devasini's entire life. The young doctor turned away from molding flesh and embarked in a career dealing in electronics. He built a group of companies in Italy that, according to his Bitfinex profile page and reiterated by Tether in response to questions from the Financial Times, he grew to over $100 million pounds in revenue in which he said he sold shortly before the 2008 financial crisis. Or is that 2000, is that $100 billion euros? Okay. Italian company documents cast his his business background in a very different light. In 2007, Devasini's business empire had revenues of just $12 million and was subsequently dealt a death blow by a dev- devastating fire at, a, at Devastini's, Devastini's warehouse and offices in February 2008. The parent company of the group, Solo, went into liquidation in June that year. In 1996, not long after he left medicine for business, he paid a hundred million lira, then around $65,000 fine in a counterfeiting settlement with Microsoft. A decade later, in 2007, Toshiba sued another of his entities, Acme, original name there, for alleged infringement of its patents for for DVD format specifications. In March 2010, another Devacidis company's, a Monaco entity called Perpetual Action Group, was banned from TradeLoop, the online used electronics marketplace, a month earlier, an American buyer had complained about $2,000 worth of memory chips they bought from PAG. One box was filled with a large block of wood, the buyer claimed. Tether says Devasini sold PAG in 2008 and was not involved with the company after that point before clarifying that he began winding up the business in late 2009. Trade Loops forums in 2010 included messages showing Devasini dealing with the complaint and messages from an associate saying Devasini had personally packed the boxes. What an incredibly sketchy character. Is anybody willing to speak up to his defense? Guess who's willing to speak up to his defense? Um, Sam Bankman-Fried says he's responsive 24-7, and he's not just responsive to crises or unbelievable opportunities. He's responsive to day-to-day operations says Sam Bankman-Fried, the chief executive of FTX, a Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange. Bankman-Fried says Devasini has a lot of pride in what he's built at Bitfinex and Tether. He's really grateful for the people that supported him, and he's fairly annoyed that people that he sees as, as downgrading on his business without any real reason for it. All right, so every positive quote on Tether seems to come from Sam Bankman-Fried, who at that point was considered respectable, but now not so much. So, uh, let's see. 
Oh, this quote. All right. One one crypto veteran we spoke to described the Tether situation in rather vivid terms. I don't know that this was... Uh, well, anyway, I have no idea who it is, but it's a good quote. I have a soft spot for thinking kindly of crypto libertarians, but they go all Ponzi mindset when it comes to Tether, he said. In order to be congruent and confident in the future, they need to believe that Tether isn't a burning bag of of poop overlaid on top of a flaming diuretic volcano. Everything that in retrospect looks super shady and how did they get away with it for so long for FTX is WNBA tier compared to the 1994 Olympics dream team of schemes that is Tether. You got any guesses who said that? Michael Jordan. No. No, no, no. This is... It's it's an anonymous quote. Hmm. Tell me that doesn't sound like something Max Kaiser would say. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. I mean, no one rants against all these everything except Bitcoin more like than Max, Max Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. yeah, I like Max. So, and more and more looking like he's right too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the. The greatest Max Kaiser story is that uh, apparently he gave Alex Jones a hard drive with like 500 Bitcoin on it. He said, I like you. Just take this, put this away somewhere, keep it for the future. You're gonna be, you'll be in better shape this way. Well, I kind of figured he would say um, he was the, the Bitcoin donor that Alex mentioned. Okay. But I don't know if it was... Yeah, I think at the time when it was given, it was like $2 million worth. So, yeah, it might have been 50 No, so, so this is... The, <coughs> the kicker to my story is that Alex lost the hard drive. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Gave him a bunch of Bitcoin. It was long It was long enough ago where it wouldn't be known as a... I mean, long enough ago that, that you'd still lose the... You still wouldn't think it was that important and lose it. So... Yeah. Hmm. Bummer. Maybe, but maybe he did donate afterwards. Yeah, I just... I, I try and complain about the fact that I, I bought $50 silver because Max Kaiser told me to, you know, hoping that one day someone will tell him and he'll be like, hey, Andrew, sorry about that. You should have listened to me about Bitcoin and not about the silver. So here's a couple, couple Bitcoins. So. I bought Bitcoin, or excuse me, I bought silver rounds about almost a hundred of them, eight, 80, 83 to a hundred. I don't remember the exact number. They were thirteen dollars a piece. Nice. And I sold them all the way up to fifty. <laughs> oh, that's good. I think I only had like ten left by the time it was over, and then I watched it plummet down. Yep. Oh, so much for J.P. Morgan having to cover their short position. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. GameStop was trending on Twitter again today. Oh. Stop it, Tim. For me. For me. Yeah, for, for you it was. Yeah. 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 All right. So this goes on and on and on. Um, Tether is the preferred cryptocurrency of a few interesting groups. Um, the Al-Qaeda-affiliated Sunni rebel groups of Syria. Oh, my God. Love Tether. Okay. Interesting. Um, oh, sorry. Was it maybe them this too? Is, this is uh, the same group that's 
referenced in the infamous wiki leaked. Yep. Hillary, Hillary said they're Clinton on our side. Email. Yep. Al Qaeda's on our side in Syria. Yep. Yeah, so he's got that in there. Uh, Tether is not just the cryptocurrency of choice for U.S.-backed rebel groups. It has also become a favorite of drug cartels, which, according to some journalists, are deeply intertwined with U.S. three-letter agencies, including the CIA. Okay. When the U.S. placed sanctions on Tornado Cash, a crypto service that assists in concealing the transfer of crypto funds, Tether ignored that sanction. One might expect that defiance to draw the wrath of U.S. regulators. Yet when the Washington Post looked into the matter, regulators seemed surprisingly unbothered. So far, the U.S. government has not taken action. Tether has not been contacted by U.S. officials or law enforcement with the request to freeze transactions with Tornado Cash. Tether's chief technology officer, Paolo Ardino, said in a statement, adding that the company normally complies with requests from U.S. authorities. When asked whether the Treasury considers Tether to be in violation of tornado cash sanctions, the department declined to comment. So this uh, Tether demand skyrocketed in, U- in Ukraine right after the Russian military operation began in February of this year. Ukrainian charities made appeals for Tether-based donations. All this was aided by Tether's special advantage for use in money laundering, according to Bloomberg. Okay, so they... So my take on this is that Tether is what people kind of accused Bitcoin of being, in that it's run by the CIA and, um, you know, just allowed to operate by the, by the government. So, yeah. I agree 100%, and thanks for bringing that article to us and laying it all out. But it's uh, it's 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 kind of wild what's going on with it, because it seems like... I started to notice this back when I was at the dealership, probably 20, 20, late 2020 into 2021. Uh, everybody was getting into crypto, all the different coins. And, you know, crypto was on quite a run. It was all going up. Um, but the, the booms and busts, man, the booms and busts, it it started to feel like rigged wall street and it started to feel like a great way to move money around that would, you know, you could move it around and not tip off investors. You know what I mean? So I feel like wall street realized what they had, uh, when crypto kind of hit the scene and realized like it's unregulated, you know, they, they pushed, Oh, we need regulation. We need regulation. Everybody's like, well, that's because they want regulation because they can't control it and everything else. But if you think for one minute that it was unregulated money and they weren't playing with it, you got another thing coming. I think that this was a great way to hide earnings, to transfer money to people, to cut backroom deals, to run it up and then pull the rug out from underneath people let you know, a la Dogecoin, uh, all of all these coins, Sheeb coin, all these things. These were booms and busts that were orchestrated by a banker elite who continue to this day to to just fleece people in the crypto market. And it comes down to it actually being foundational in Tether, which is a main stream player in the crypto space. 
This 100% has been used against us. This is an easy way to move money. And what better way to move money for drugs? Bringing them across the, you know, the cartels. You know, you get the drugs coming over. You, you know, get, you know, they... In the eighties, the eighties, they use the the Native American. You know, that's why they're you can't go onto a Native American uh, reservation uh, unless you are uh, allowed to by that sovereign nation. So they they get in there and they get these sovereign nations just across the border from Mexico, and they probably transfer all this money through tether and everything else, and leave it kind of untraced. Oh, it's untraceable. You guys are gonna love it. It's gonna be so cool. Crypto is gonna be for the people. And it, meanwhile, it's a great way to run up and rip people off to move money around uh, without uh, having any uh, paper trail. It's something that the uh, the British elite who uh, tried to conquer the world with uh, opium and and, and and trade, you know, 500 years ago. Well, and very importantly, I mean, it it appears to be just a blatant fraud. If you say we have U.S. dollar assets to equal to the number of tethers and you don't, that's fraud. Yeah. So to get away with that, you have to be politically connected good friends with the clinton foundation sitting on stage with uh with uh, bill clinton and george bush you know connected i i felt this in my in my in my soul in the depths like a in a pit of my stomach right around 2020 2021 as these things started to kind of take off because it was like everyone saw bitcoin go from what it was at 3000 in march of 2020 run all the way up to, I think it was over 20,000. And people just wanted to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that's how the big banks were moving their money. There was people in and people out. And, you know, these whale watchers who I'd always followed on uh, Twitter or whatever, but they they were whale watchers for Wall Street. They started turning their attention to the crypto space. And there was huge amounts. They were calling out huge amounts of money moving around. Yeah. Well, you, like yeah, entire and, country's and, GDP amounts of money moving around. Well, it's kind of genius, right? Because you you don't have to put dollars in, you don't have to put Bitcoin in, you just put Tether in. And yeah. as long as people on both sides of the transaction accept it, you're good to go. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's uh Oh, let's see if there is anything else. Um it compares it to BCCI which I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. We haven't talked about BCCI, but I do think it's an app comparison. Yeah. So CIA very involved possibly like directly controlling BCCI. And are they doing the same thing again and obviously Saying this SBF character definitely inv- closely involved. Uh, I'll read the conclusion of the article. All right. This brings us counterintuitively to the second factor that may be propping up Tether the sheer magnitude of the government's corruption itself and the government's reliance on Tether as a convenient vehicle for that corruption. Thus, we are left with the possibility of a dark comedy, according to which government corruption is one of the main things preventing 
the cryptocurrency project from spiraling into a layman-like collapse. Thus, when it comes to Tether, too big to fail might very well become too big to even lift up the veil. But eventually, someone has to take a look, right? Uh, maybe. He doesn't seem like a an optimist. Uh, what's his... Let me get his name. Who's Revolver News? Just one guy, I think. Uh, let's see. I don't know. He's always on Tucker. I don't know why I can't remember his name. But anyway, he doesn't look like an optimist, but he's talking about if there's any justice, Sam Bankman Fried's going to be in prison and someone's going to lift up the veil on Tether. I don't know, man. This is, I've got a vaccine to tell you about here. If you, if you want to think, you know, something so corrupt and so obviously fraudulent that um, eventually people catch on. They're still they're still pushing forward with lots of frauds. Oh yes, yes they are absolutely, um, and one of them is the election in Brazil. Yes, where they magically found all those ballots from the drug cartel controlled areas that flipped the election for. <clears throat> Greg Reese did, gave, us, gave us a couple minutes on Brazil this week. Oh, awesome. The people of Brazil are united together in protest against the globalist Great Reset. In 2017, Luiz Lula was convicted on charges of corruption and money laundering and sentenced to nine years in prison. In April of last year, he was released by the Brazilian Supreme Court to run against Bolsonaro. He is supported by the World Economic Forum. Translating. Lula was not elected. Lula stole my vote. Stole from my people. We will not create war. We will not spill blood. We will fight with peace. This son of a Alexandre de Moraes. Because he stole our votes and gave them to another criminal, Lula. They reversed his sentence in order to win. Criminally. By stealing and diverting our votes. This was dishonesty, shadiness, criminal. In my country, there is no place for them. End translation. Alexandre de Moraes is the minister of the Supreme Court of Brazil, who just ordered the banks to block the accounts of anyone supporting the historic protest. People all over the world took to the streets 
like the people of Brazil, then the imminent global tyranny would be eradicated. And this is why the media ignores it. They are hoping you just stay home and watch it, like a movie, until it arrives at your front door and it's too late. Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, how about this? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. There you go. I thought that was good, especially a little clip at the end. I think it's a bug's life, but it's got the grasshoppers talking, leader of the grasshoppers talking to the other grasshoppers. And yeah, how, Alex, how, do we, how do we keep Alex the, Jones used to play that all the time? Yeah, so, yeah. There's a little bit of truth into the in the animation. Yeah, which I thought was good. So indeed, uh, it's like the end of 1984. There's hope in the plebs. That's right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Alex Jones, Alex Jones, an Alex Jones clip was played by uh, Jason Burma. So this is like clipception. This is a clip inside a clip, but Alex Jones uh, clip played by Jason Burma this last week where he uh, predicts the future. This is from, I think, 2002. So you tell me how Alex did on this prediction, 2002. You ready? All right. Alex Jones, 2002, you make your own decisions. I, I think he absolutely uh, murders it here. Facts and common sense are in. Yes, there have been corrupt empires. Yes, they manipulate. Yes, there are secret societies. Yes, there have been oligarchies throughout history. And yes, today in 2002, there is a tyrannical organization calling itself the New World Order, pushing for worldwide government, a cashless society, open borders, total and complete tyranny, where human beings are absolutely worthless. There's six and a quarter plus billion of us, and the globalists have said it many times, there's too many of us, we're causing a problem. Uh, we need to be culled at the tune of 80%. It's amazing to talk about that, but it's the globalists, the UN, their own public statements, and they've convinced a lot of liberals and elitist conservatives and others uh, that by going along with this, that we're intelligent members of society. It's the ultimate Malthus world view. It is uh, this radical, virulent form uh, of social Darwinism. It's the excuse of tyrants. And by creating open borders where there's no national sovereignty and only global bodies that control all the resources, by centralizing and socializing health care, the state becomes God, basically, when it comes to your health. And then by releasing diseases and viruses and plagues upon us, we then basically get shoved into their system. Huh. We then get shoved into their system. One of the things that I didn't play 
over on uh, the YouTube portion of the broadcast is that they're openly talking about these type of digital certificates for hate and lie shots and beyond. Everything he said was spot on right there. Every, the ultimate Malthus, Malthusian, what is your life worth worldview, where back then the oligarchy was convinced that what? They were overpopulated. They were overpopulated back then. And social Darwinism says, hey, we already rule. We're number one. Don't forget it. We're number one for a reason. And we're going to continue to be number one because that's the way it is. Survival of the fittest. We are the fittest. We are the command and controllers. You get it? One of the ways they do that is through what? Fraudulent elections and a corrupt electoral system that they control. Works the same in Brazil as it does in Maricopa County. Didn't they, I, sounds like they still do have the Dominion voting machines in Brazil. I know they had them before. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, the best election system was when, uh, was what they set up in Iraq when we, quote, liberated them. What was that? And gave them a, an election where they could choose between, uh, this puppet that we will accept or that puppet that we'll accept. But uh, you go to vote. They dip your index finger in yeah. ink. I knew you were going to say that. And then you're, you're done. You can't get back in line. Everybody, see, oh, the, the finger's been inked. This person's already voted. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah. If you wanted an honest election, it's not that hard. But the obviously the point is that they don't want an honest election. It would well, appear just, that way. Just mailing your ballot with the, uh, you know, with um, Christine Drazon at the bottom of the list, and in the spot in the envelope where it'll it'll show up if you voted for her or not, so they know whether to throw your ballot away. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild. Have you seen these videos coming out too, where, uh, people are basically admitting that they're, they're Democrats. So they're saying that, uh, they are Republicans so that they can participate in election volunteering. Oh, okay. So that they can yeah. be the yes, I I he said I'm Republican a, side. I'm a registered Republican, but I vote Democrat in every single election. I'm just doing mm. that so I can be here to help with the uh, with the with the election polling. Dirty tricks. Dirty tricks. All right. Well, I think it's time, Andrew. Time to thank some people. It is. So much pizzazz, that guy. He's got a lot of pizzazz. Do you is the spreadsheet updated? Should oh no, it? spreadsheet's not updated. You don't need to look at that. 
Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you know the spreadsheet doesn't have a lot of money on it because ever since they took out PayPal, our donations are very down, but it is, it is what it is. Times are tough out there for people too. So let's take a look. Where are we here? No, to, people are, people are saving up for episode 300. This ah. is nice. It's a nice round number. You can say, I was a contributor to episode 300 of Revelations Radio News, and no one has even heard of that podcast, much less thought they would get to 300 episodes. <laughs> there you go, Andrew. Well, I opened up PayPal first, and just to further prove my point, between last week and this week, we had one producer. Uh, Chris from Georgia sent us $100. Thank you very much, Chris. And now I got to move. That was maybe it. a legend in his own right there. Yeah. Well, the legend isn't is that he donated via PayPal in a month in a week where no one else donated via PayPal or almost donated at all. We have yeah. not not done well in donations lately. There's there's only like ten PayPal users left, probably. I don't know, man. It, <laughs> it feels like kind of like you said that day. It's almost like a trap. Like, how do we? Get rid of all these mainstream or alternative media people. Like, oh, I know. Let's get rid of PayPal. Yeah, well, we're fine with the gifts and go if you do. If people do it that way. Well, six days ago, a gentleman named Danny from Medford, Oregon, gave twenty-five dollars on gifts and go. He left a comment too that said, "Thanks for hitting record." Oh, we've got a story for you next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> next up, we have Caleb. Caleb has, uh, man, he has filled up his, his comment box here on Give, Send, Go. And we got Bible verses. So, Caleb gave $30. Genesis one sixteen. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule during the day and the lesser light to rule at night. He made the stars also. Then there's Genesis 1, 6 through 8. Regarding the firmament God placed to separate the waters above from the waters below, causing dry land to appear in the midst. There are also, there's also Job 37, 18 and 38, 14 as some food for thought. Sorry about the length, but I love you all very much. There you go. Just wedging some good old... Some good old... Uh, Biblical cosmology. Biblical cosmology into his donation. We appreciate you, Caleb, and appreciate the $30. All right, next up we have Nick Smith, and he has sent us 20 bucks. He's been listening for two years, and here is my first donation. I wish I could bless you with more. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate you, and uh, your donation of $20 is adequate enough. He said his last name, but it is clearly a pseudonym, so don't worry, Nick. You're, you're also, I don't know that I'm going to try to not say last names to people on Gibson Go when it it basically just asks what name do you want to be known as. Perfect. So if you if you only want your first name or you want a pseudonym, put it in Gibson Go. As a matter I'm, of fact, I'm mostly joking about Nick Smith being a pseudonym. I I know someone named John Smith. Uh, I have a cousin named John Smith. So yeah, yeah, uh, but that, uh, but the person that I know is not your cousin. Yes, that's highly likely. Uh, the uh, first donor this week, his name uh, according to Give Send Go is Danny Medford. So 
I think mm. that Danny has, uh, you know, perfect. He's right with it. He's 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 on top. He's on track. Next donor is anonymous. Thanks for all that you do, and he sent us a hundred bucks. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody who donated. We appreciate you. We love it very much. We're thankful that you're giving us uh, value for the value that hopefully we're giving you. This is a value for value podcast, and we count on you guys to make this work. Next week is the big show. Show 300. It's going to be a 10, 12-hour bash. I mean, I'm already getting ready. I got people people coming over. I think we got you know champagne ordered. It's going to be a huge deal. So I just hope everybody is ready for that. Uh, big show 300 coming up. I didn't know how you could make 12-hour show sound any worse and then you threw champagne in there. <laughs> you're, 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 are you a teetotaler? Do you, do you never drink at all? Never? Never, never, never have a drink. No, have you, have you ever? Uh, yes, it was. I don't know. Last time was probably fourteen years ago. Holy smokes! And it was just like a beer or something. Uh, soju. I don't even know what that is. Oh, oh, oh! It was Korea. Is it like their version of sake? Cultural, yeah. Okay, fair enough. T- tastes like paint thinner. <laughs> and listeners all know that I'm joking anyway. I would have to have a uh, sparkling cider, which I think we have on we have ready for Thursday. But I'm not. I don't drink at all because uh, I had too much to drink for a long time there. So anyway, we won't be doing a 10, 12 hour show. I'm just ribbing my co-host who insisted it wasn't a super long show. We do have a surprise for you next week, so tune in. If you'd like to donate, you'd like your name to be mentioned, you'd like to be a producer of episode uh, 300 of Revelations Radio News, the legendary 300 episode, uh, go to Give, Send, Go. Go to revelationsradionews.com backslash support. Click on the support tab. A bunch of ways you could do it there. There is Bitcoin. There is some other coins, which I probably should just take down and leave Bitcoin up. And I think Bitcoin and Monero is really all we need over there. And uh, Yeah, I've I haven't heard too much good things about any of the others. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, we could get ahead of the game and get a little bit of... Uh, uh, <coughs> I forgot the name of it, but never mind. Tether? No, no. <laughs> uh, the, the other one that was... Anyway, never mind. Uh, but please, if you want to support us, go there. Also, you can do it by saying prayers. And then we have we have like a prayer tabulator thing here which shows 18 people have stopped by. So 25 people have stopped by to give on Give, Send, Go. 18 people have said that they prayed for us. Well, we very much appreciate that as well. No way to fact check that in any way, but if you do decide to write out a prayer, we can read it on the show. And if you don't, then you don't have to do that either. So that (laughs) is where we are. Um, I think that's it. Listener supported podcast episode 300 is coming up, and it's a lot of work. I mean, you're listening to this episode <coughs> after after Tim went through and took out every single cough, Ooh. snort, uh, sneeze, it, everything, and it sounds great because of all the work that Tim put in. So I am going to go back and life. do some work because I I, I I did not have my uh, signal open, but when I did open it. I had a troubling message from Andrew that just says, you are not muted, which is definitely troubling because I 
probably thought I was and was hacking up along or doing who Lord you knows what. Sn- sniffing. A lot of sniffing? Okay. Well I it, got w- the- it wasn't it wasn't a lot. It was just during during one clip I could tell that you assumed you were muted and weren't. Well, then I, I ran to get tea, to get some sort of tea with some honey in it to try and push through. And uh, I got back, and I don't think I was muted for that either. So I don't know if anybody can hear me boiling the water or messing around in the kitchen there. But I I couldn't. But. Okay. There you go. Yeah. This podcast well, takes a skeptical, sometimes sarcastic view of the mass media and government propaganda news. We sift through alternative, mainstream, and first-hand news sources to try to figure out what exactly is happening. We, we don't. We need to update the mission statement because I think, bro, you wrote this and it's dead on. I mean, you put you, you like a, you 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 pick the hits. You, you you wrote a book with a snake spitting venom of vaccines out, and then had kids in masks. I mean, come on, <laughs> it's true. I mean, plus this, we don't find many of the wars or many of those in history to be anything more than. Aggression, disguised by blatant war propaganda. We also emphasize health issues, especially the deleterious effects of GMOs, vaccines, prescription drugs, and the rest of the eugenics agenda on our lives and the lives of those around us. Most importantly, we examine the pseudo-reality we are fed through mass media contradicts the way the world is accurately described in the Bible as being not round. Wait, what? Okay. (laughs) Truth. Well, it's being not a ball. It's not a ball. It's, you know, round is, it's circular. The face of the earth is circular, but not a ball. Well, I think that the Bible talks about four corners, so maybe you're wrong on that. Maybe if there's four corners, it can't be a circle. Or, uh, were you on that email thread? Uh, I don't think you were. Maybe. Our friend friend Terry brought that up. Ah, yes, yes, because you wanted to to send a witty reply to his. Uh... No, no, this is that was different. Oh, it's a different person. That's right. I'm yeah. sorry. So th- this is Terry brought up the the four corners of the earth. Oh no, actually, no, it wasn't Terry. No, yeah, I think you're right. Yes, it, it was, was uh, our friend, the uh, pilot in Canada. Yes, Theo. Yes, so, yes. <clears throat> So, yeah, my my take on that is if the Bible says it's got four corners, it's got four corners. And if it says the face of the earth is a circle with the, you know, like a a signet ring being pressed into the the clay there, uh, then that's true, too. (laughs) So... And I think the the Freemasons know that as well, and that's why they have this whole squaring the circle thing. But. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. I didn't even put the square in the circle thing together here. Yeah, square over circle. Hmm. But you could have a you could have a circular seat cushion on a stool with four legs underneath it. Hmm. That would sort of be four corners, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's tough to picture. Revelations Radio. But the the only update I want to make to the mission statement is that I try to find 
We try to find material from uh, not so much mainstream media, but from podcasts that are doing that are putting out good information. So there's quite a few, you know, like No Agenda does a good job of deconstructing mainstream media, but um, it's not so much our focus anymore. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, they moved the goalposts on us, Andrew. We had to adapt with the times. Alternative media is mainstream media now. I it's mean, it's strange, but know. it's somewhat true. Yeah. So over the last few months, I keep hearing about this guy, Andrew Tate. We have Kanye's getting canceled because he came out against, you know, the Jews in Hollywood. And you can't do that. And he's under attack. And Dave Chappelle's doing his best to defend him. We got Alex Jones getting sued for a trillion dollars, so there's that. But now we have Andrew Tate, who I didn't even know who this guy was. And I listened to a podcast this last week where he was interviewed by Zuby. Zuby of Zuby Music Fame, of Twitter Fame, gentleman I met when he spoke here at the University of Oklahoma. Over a million followers on Twitter and has been really outspoken ever since COVID started. Saw his, you know, following double or triple since then and has been just out there and in front of stuff uh i believe he's from the uk originally but may have lived in saudi arabia as a kid he's obviously african-american he's a rapper um and so he was able to speak more about black lives matter and a lot well, of stuff. it doesn't he's not african-american tim he's black is that better yeah good correction black all right <laughs> he's black so he can say stuff about black lives matter anyway um, I've enjoyed his, uh, his his quips, his tweets, all of his interviews. He's been interviewed by super mainstream people like Megyn Kelly and all kinds of different people. Uh, he's been on Glenn Beck. He's been here. He's been there. Um, I even tried to get him on this show, believe it or not. Uh, but he interviewed Andrew Tate. And I thought, okay, here it is. Somebody I know and, and love and trust a little bit uh, going up and, and having Andrew Tate on. Turns out they're old friends and he interviewed him two, three years ago. And so this was kind of uh, a uh, reunion of sorts and a very interesting interview. I'll link it in the show notes. It's about two hours long. I didn't intend to listen to the whole thing. I thought I'd just check in, see how this is going. But, you know, listen to the whole thing in one sitting was super, you know, uh, entertaining and just kind of riveted to it. So anyway, I pulled this clip out. I thought it was interesting and something we talk about quite a bit here. The most common pushback I get when I talk about this stuff is, it's easy for you to say because you're self-employed, yeah. you're not married and don't have kids yet, yeah. you're able to, you're in this position. And my counter to that is you should be going even harder on this because you have children. Think about their future. You're already here going, Zuby, how did it get to this stage? It all happened so quickly. I'm like, well, where do you think it's going to be in 20 years, right. in 30 years, in 50 years? If you continue to just allow every single one of these narratives yeah. being pushed by 1% of the population to to run riot do you want your daughter competing not, not even being able to play sports because right. everyone in women's sports is male yeah. right do you want do you want penises in your daughter's changing room yeah. do you want um everyone to you do you want your kids to be judged based on their skin color yeah right whether they're white or they're black or whatever do you want these weird racial narratives do you want cbdc's and the government completely yes they already control the money but yeah. controlling it at a mm, a minute degree yeah. where they can just switch your money off and you can no longer buy food because you said the wrong. 
I'm like, do you want your kids to deal with that? It's not going to be you who deals with it, but your children, your grandchildren are going to. And yeah, that's, um, and you're right. And they're still cowards. They're still cowards. It's, yeah. it's truly, it truly is crazy. Going back to our friend, Jack, uh, that's why I said that to him. I said, bro, you think you are a coward and you think that telling your sons to get the injections to play baseball makes you a good dad because baseball is so important. No, teaching your sons to not be cowards is what's important. Mm. You are a coward and now your children are going to be cowards just like you. You're a dummy. The I should I should warn you the uh, the podcast is full of cursing and even though Zuby never curses is a very strong Christian Andrew Tate does a lot of cursing but I think uh, he likes to call a spade a spade I didn't realize how big his following was getting but he went at the beginning of this year he was at a couple hundred thousand followers on Twitter and in less than like three four months he hit almost five million <laughs> that is some reach. And he speaks a lot of wisdom. It is kind of uh, directed at young males. And I think he, he talks about numerous times in the show that he his message rings with young males who are disenfranchised. And that's why they keep trying to cancel him. Because those are the, the people that have no voice right now. And, and, he, and he, you know, he feels like he can make a difference with them. Uh, anyway, uh, just calling it out. As it is, you're a coward. You're a coward for you know just going along with it, for getting your kid to get the shot. You know, if you think it's wrong and you still go along with it, you're a coward. Yeah. It's just it is what it is. And he doesn't mince words. I'm a some guy from Oklahoma or doing a podcast talking to my friend here, and I'm not going to call people cowards. But here's somebody who's got all of his social media taken away, and he basically gets into in this interview how he went from like kind of a pretty chill, straightforward dude, you know, and he still is. He says, you know, his friends will reach out to him anytime they need help or anything like that. He's known as like a good friend, but like with strangers became known as like this guy who would like yell at you if you tried to tell him to put on a mask. He just, he just had it with everybody. He just (laughs) couldn't, he just couldn't take it anymore. It's like, I need to get some gas from my car. Well, you have to put a mask on. And he's like, well, is the gas free or do I pay you? He's like, well, you have to put a mask on. So, okay, I already put gas in my car, so are you going to serve me? I can't serve you without a mask. Just He said he just threw his money on the floor, but he had to deal with that sort of stuff all the time because he just absolutely refused to wear a mask. And he's a person who has several million dollars in the bank, has his own jet, is rich, but like he talks about how creepy it is to get all your social media taken away. If, if it was somebody in a situation like him, wasn't a situation like him, they'd be in a really bad spot but he's independently wealthy and continue to do what he wants to do. And, you know, he even said the, Hey, I'm, I'm never going to kill myself. So if I ever kill myself, you know, I didn't kill myself, but he really goes into this. Did, uh, did you do the Kerry Lake stare into the camera and no, call out Hillary? He's not that good. He's not that good. <laughs> but uh, anyway, calling people cowards, I thought was interesting. And uh, just this week, I know you got it uh, earlier today, but this came out three, four days ago. This is uh, Ice Cube talking about uh, if he has any movies coming up. This was an interview that came out, I think, on Sunday night. So, Cube, you got any movies? Working. You know what Working. I'm saying? Hustling. You know what I mean? Uh, I turned down a movie because I didn't want to get the motherfucking jab. You know, I turned down $9 million Because I didn't want to get the you jab. You didn't want to get, you yeah, know. that jab. Y'all for trying to make me get it. Mm. So... You know, I don't, I, I don't know how Hollywood feel about me right now. You know what I'm saying? That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Zuby's saying I don't like people. You know, people always say I got kids. It's easy for you to say you make your money online. Uh, Ice Cube doesn't make his money online. Obviously, he's probably, you know, wealthy. But when it comes down to it, 
You just don't. <laughs> you just turn down nine million dollars. You just don't well, get it. Like, <laughs> well, he also said. He said, "I didn't turn down nine million dollars. They didn't give me nine million dollars because they wouldn't let me in the be in the movie without getting the vaccine, which is." I think an important distinction. It's, it's like a, it's, it speaks to the frame of mind, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you no, know, you don't get to tell me whether to take the vaccine or not. You can decide to pull the movie role from me, but that's on you, not you know, hundred percent. And that's where we got to be, folks. That's where we have to be. We need to make our lines in the sand. We need to know where bodily autonomy stops and starts. We need to know what our limit is. Is it a mask every now and then? Is it a mask occasionally? Is it a mask for your kids? Is it not a mask for your kids? Is it the vaccine once? Is the vaccine? Everybody needs to know that and stand by that. I got nothing but respect for people like Kyrie Irving, Aaron Rodgers, Ice Cube. You know, these people just said no. And doesn't matter. Like Kyrie Irving's got to be the lead, leader in the clubhouse on money lost. I guess Kanye with his recent rant, but Kyrie, you know, for just for using the vaccine, he, we're losing a lot of money. But no. he, he refuses to change it up, and that's how it's done. Everybody wants to keep on keeping on, and and Andrew and, and him. I could have pulled so many clips from this. It's two hours. It's so good. But uh, I got another clip here, and this is shortly after that same exchange. The war has come for all of us. And your choices are very simple. Either you have your mind right and you understand objective reality and you're resisting against the matrix and their narratives, or you're accepting their garbage so you don't have to resist against them. And now you're arguing with your own mind. The people who are purporting these ideas and the people who are sticking up for the matrix and all of its garbage the hardest are also the people who are talking about depression, talking about anxiety, talking about watch it, read their Twitter feeds. Anyone who disagrees with objective reality by circumstance or by happenstance seems to have some kind of mental defect or they're unhappy or they're on antidepressants or they have anxiety or they're stressed or they need time off for mental health concerns or all this crap. Your mind and your body and your soul created by God have a degree of innate understanding of what's right and what's wrong. And if you go against that, you're going to feel of, you're going to feel guilt and you're going to feel shame and you're going to feel uneasy and you're not going to feel normal. If you're going to go through life and accept all the garbage they tell you to put inside of your brain, I don't believe you can be happy that way. I don't believe you can be a happy individual walking around, pretending that blue is green, pretending that green is red, like staying in your house, being fearful, being afraid, hating your fellow man, like believing in these narratives that there's no way you can ever get ahead because you're systematically oppressed and held down by some whatever. And if you absorb all this crap, you're going to be an unhappy person. Yes. So I think that either your mind is right and you're happy and you're resisting against the matrix or... You're an unhappy person who's absorbed the matrix programming and you're resisting against yourself. We're all going to fight. You're either fighting the system or you're fighting your own brain. You need to make a choice. Now, I personally would rather fight the system than, than sit inside of a self-destructive cycle looking at myself in the mirror. Ah, uh, yes, I need my eighth injection. Yes, I'm, I'm so sad. Like I, I, That sounds worse to me than being canceled. So you can cancel me. But this battle's here for everyone. And I think if the world understood that and if people understood that, a lot more of them would stand up. Mm -hmm. But they think they can avoid it, and they can't. Woo. <laughs> so is he going to be able to to beat Jake Paul? What do you think? I don't know much about... I know Jake Paul has uh, gone from a YouTube superstar to being able to beat a lot of people up. But uh, no, he they keeps giving rants like this. I would uh, definitely be rooting for him. 
I mean, that is that is true. Oh, well, hundred percent. Everybody will be rooting for him. Everybody always roots against Jake Paul. That's part of the the shtick. But uh, yeah, they're they're promoting a boxing match. But yeah. Anyway, I think no, it's, it's interesting it. to think about the idea that that uh, all these people are unhappy because they're dealing with the cognitive dissonance within their own brain because they think it's going to save them having to deal with the adversity of what's going on with the jab and how they're being forced to do it. So they decide to save themselves the uh, conflict by doing it. And that in in, in the end ends up with a conflict in their mind that makes them unhappy and uneasy. I think he's right as far as like the commoners go. Right. You either have to, but when you look at someone like Fauci, I, he doesn't strike me as necessarily happy or unhappy. He's just like, you know, seething with that demonic energy, he just not, wants talking, to kill kids, about, man. We're not talking about psychopaths here, man. We're just talking about regular people. Yeah, Zuby, well, that's what I'm Zuby, saying. Zuby started the conversation with people making excuses because they have kids, and then he, right, right. he went on into yeah. that. Yeah. But no, there's definitely megalomaniacs, psychopaths who are just doing this for power. It's the ones that are left, all of us, the people listening to this podcast that have to choose. Yep. Oh, well, it's nice to be able to, it's a lot easier to choose here in Oklahoma, I'll put it that way, yeah, to make the right sure. choices here. For sure. My, my goodness. It just, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I don't miss that. Don't miss that. Something happened earlier or something I was watching. Oh, it was uh, people on Twitter talking about their cars getting broken into and gas getting stolen and stuff. Oh, yeah. Nice nice neighborhoods in Seattle and this is happening. So, Formerly nice neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, expensive neighborhoods in Seattle and this is happening. How about that? <laughs> no, I talked to a, a customer back in... The uh, what was ranked as the number one small town in America, where I used to used to live, and he had had his construction site. He's just kind of a, a developer construction guy, you know, building these condos, one kind of one at a time type deal. Been broken into three times in the past week. Electricity stolen, all the electrical stuff. And mainly like his tools and ah, stuff. Tool. Yeah, they always go. The two things they go for is the copper and the tools. So, so he he knows the. He's like, it's the guys in the homeless camp. And so he, you know, takes the cops down there. It's like, look, it's that's my stuff underneath their tarps. And they wouldn't do anything. Yeah. They I mean, said, well, well, we we asked and they didn't want to talk to us, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, I don't want to end this on this. Also, we didn't do a verse of the day. Do you have a verse of the day for us today? Verse of the week? I don't. I've got a whole other section, though. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'll come up with a verse. I, ha- I had one earlier. But, uh,. Violence. I predict violence. It just, it just seems like there's so many different trajectories that we're on right now, and a lot of them are just going to culminate in violence. 
Yeah. Like yeah, it, Andrew Tate was talking about the uh, the penises in the in the bathroom with, with your little girl. The, that stuff is getting pushed more and more. People are being called groomer, and then they're pulling. You know, be, got, you know, someone was just arrested for, or actually was beaten down by some mother because he exposed himself to a, a girl in a girl's bathroom. Uh, that that sort of stuff is just it's just going to keep happening. You know, and I, I know I've known I've worked in construction. I've known many a construction worker. Uh, I don't want to be stereotypical, but anybody who's in construction will hear me when I say this. Also, I think we have somebody who's an electrician. Uh, a lot of aggro dudes, not really great impulse control within the construction industry. Like, might just knock your teeth out for saying the wrong thing to them. If you keep having the homeless people steal the construction guy's tools that he uses to make a living with, and then the cops aren't going to do anything, this, this ends in violence, you know? Right. You have, yep. you have a guy exposing himself to your daughter in the bathroom, and nobody's going to do anything. This ends in violence. There's a lot of these arcs that are currently taking place that are getting pushed further and further to a point where there's just going to be inevitable violence. And that's something we got to be on guard for and try to stay vigilant, try to stay uh, wise as serpent, harmless as doves, and, and try to, to head off at the pass because, you know... God said, "Live by the sword, die by the sword." If it comes down to it, hey, you got to whoop somebody's butt because they're doing something in the bathroom. I, I'm, I'll be the last person to judge you, but I think we all got to stay vigilant and keep our eyes open and try to be wise about this stuff. Well, it's like the Brazilian. And I'm probably the hottest head among us too, so trust me, I'm trying to tell myself this. It's like the Brazilian protester said, you know, we're not going to resort to war. But we're also not, you know, we're not backing down. Yeah. So, it's, like we, we know you lied. It's, it's one of those. It's the same situation in the U.S. Like, we know we're being lied to about the vaccine. We know we're being lied to about the elections. We know that. Not only are we lied to about the elections, but the the choices we're given are are in on the the deal too so it's like well you know is that what you want to fight over and that's not for me that's not the line you know i'm not i'm not taking a stand for trump when i know trump would just let me rot in a dc jail like he let all the january 6 people so but uh when you're talking vaccines and talking about forcing vaccines on my kids, that's the, you know, that's the line for me. But. And that's the, I'm moving across the country line for you. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, when Kate Brown sends CPS to the salon lady's house because uh, she dared open her her business to try to keep food on the table like oh just making sure your kids are are taken care of you know it's, this isn't politically motivated or anything that was it was time to get out of Oregon I mean to be fair I don't know if K- Tina Kotek would do that Tina Kotek would a hundred percent do exactly as much tyranny as she thinks she can get away with just sitting here in this ice cream parlor, missing my friend Joe. Yeah, there's already, well, it's still Kate Brown, but 
there's already a, a state of emergency over RSV in Oregon. So, Ugh. started with the next emergency. Um, let's we gotta play do some something. These... We gotta do something because what's his name won't won't go anywhere. Um, Inslee, so he has to continue his emergency powers to just rule. Uh, Is there Washington no term limits? Fist. Oh, there's. Is are there no poor houses? Are there, <laughs> are there no, quoting Dickens to me here? Uh, no, there is term limits, but I think he has emergency powers. I read him on the show back when I lived up there. It's it's crazy what he can do. They he can shut down like he can keep Republicans from attending the the uh, the House of Representatives there, the mm. state the state Senate, and all kinds of weird stuff. That's why people have been calling for him to take the emergency powers away because at this point he is just just going to go on forever. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a Washington state congressman we played the clip from where he basically was, I don't know if he was actually arrested, but he was kept out of going to the state house because he wasn't vaccinated. Was yeah. proof of vaccine. Yes, yeah. he was a state senator and he was a Republican. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff you're getting with Inslee right now. Yep. All right, well, let's, uh, this will be part stuff for this show and part preview for either our next episode or a, an upcoming episode. So, uh, and this is the parasite paradigm from Dr. Lee Merritt. This video is about parasite protocols, how to rid yourself of parasites. And I'm going to explain to you in this video, why I think it's critical. We all do this now, why it helps people with or without having taken the vaccine and, and I'm going to tell you the ins and outs and some of the subtleties of doing that. Okay, so I call it the parasite paradigm. A paradigm is really a, a way of looking at something. And the problem we have is we are living in a viral paradigm. And we need to get out of that. That's a false paradigm. It makes you look at things the wrong way. Agreed. I've got a friend who's been trying to drag me out of the viral paradigm for about two months now. And uh, yep. based on the sound of my voice, I got to start listening to something else. <laughs> Western medicine uh, is failing me. Yep. <clears throat> so let's, uh, this is, we've talked about similar things, but she puts it well. This uh, clip two here that you were toxic. Beginning, I never believed this was an airborne virus. I thought this was a contact poison or toxin. Keep in mind, virus in Latin does not mean little animacule that flies out of your mouth and goes makes other people sick. Virus means toxin. We need to start start changing our language to changing our understanding that when we get sick and we sneezing and wheezing and coughing, something we, we say we got a cold. You didn't catch a cold. You're toxic and you're getting rid of the toxins. I mean, I've been called toxic before, but I didn't know that I could get rid See, of it. You're you're not sick, Tim. You're just getting rid of the toxins. All right. So let's uh, we'll move on to clip three. This is something that we also talked about, but probably not enough. Now, the other thing I realized that there was a problem about was this mRNA technology. Besides all the literature that showed how dangerous it was, how 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 bad it was on all the animal studies and was still bad, by the way, they're still doing animal studies for cancer therapies using mRNA and the animals are still dying. Don't think that's past tense. 
It's just too expensive. I, I mean, they claim that the one mRNA technology they've actually gotten to market was a technology that was um, uh, for some ophthalmologic issue. I can't remember what it was, but it was for some ophthalmologic issue. And it the cost was in two in 2018, the cost was almost a million dollars for a treatment. How did they suddenly within two years supply billions of doses at less than $30 a dose? I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for not talking about it enough. You are the one, you know, your voice rings over again in my head and I'm sure it does listeners too saying, I don't know how they're making this much of it. it they may not be making this much of it. I don't think they're making yeah. this much of it. So don't beat yourself up on that. I think that, that you've definitely at least planted that seed. So there, if, if they're not really MRNA vaccines, then maybe, maybe they're not, not so bad. Maybe they're, you know, just some, some goo or maybe not. Why is cancer bursting out after people get the vaccine? Um, especially in the, soldiers. So I was in the Navy for 10 years. We took care of young guys, you know, the 20 year olds, that's your standard patient. And when they showed up with cancer, it would be a single solitary cancer, usually things like testicular cancer that young men are more apt to get. But it wasn't that they had cancer all over their body. Now they take the vaccine and they have cancer all over their body, according to some of the, the doctors I've talked to in the military. Now, this goes along with the, that it's can't if cancer is parasites these are guys that have been out in afghanistan and weird places snooping and pooping through the brush on the ground they may come from farm country where they were you know around animals and they've probably got a pretty good dose of parasite load and now their immune systems damaged by the vaccine and the parasites all break out at once giving them this multiple um look of cancer you see we, we when we talk about something being cancer we just show we just look at an MRI and we see that it's got multiple white spots on this on the like either dark spots or white spots on the various different weighted images and we say well that's that's obviously metastasis because we think nothing else could do that because we're not thinking paradigm shift we're not thinking of of parasites okay why does autoimmune disease respond to antiparasitical drugs hydroxychloroquine's antiparasitical right but they give it as plaquenil and they use it for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and why does it respond? And it responds for a while, but then it doesn't continue to respond. And, and I can tell you why that is. It has to do with the, the way you should do it for parasites. You got any thoughts? Uh, I have a family member who has rheumatoid arthritis, and I believe they've taken hydroxychloroquine before for it. Hmm. And we, we have talked about, you know... Just it's interesting that the hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, these are known for treating parasites, and and yes, they also work as antivirals, but they're mainly anti-parasitical drugs. And of course, and I've talked about many times the complete freakout over ivermectin is yeah. is what led me to think, huh, there must be something to this. Must be something to it. So she talks a little bit, um, a little more on the same subject. So this next one, she tells a story that was told to her by Brian Artis about uh, a parasitologist over in Egypt. 
And this is something I learned from Brian Artis, whose friend is a uh, Egyptian trained Egyptian uh, parasitologist and Egypt, Egyptian parasitologist. They're kind of on the top of that pyramid because no, no pun intended, because they know they have parasites. They have all sorts of parasites and they're very astute about this. Right. Well, he was talking to him one time and he and, and Brian said to him, said, you know, I see when I look at a parasite egg sac under the microscope and I see cancer under the microscope, they look identical. And this guy just looked at him kind of wide eyed and said, you know, in 40 years of doing parasitology, I've never had an oncologist cancer doctor make that association. But in parasitology, we do it all the time, which says to me they know, but they can't speak or they'll lose their funding. But as the autoimmune disease as, as point is, as you get older and your immune system is overtaxed, kind of like a computer that's got too many things running in the background, it can't keep these all in control. And then we start seeing autoimmune disease. And when you get a little older, we start seeing cancer. A parasite infection and cancer. It's kind of an interesting... Yeah, that they often say that to each other. Yeah, the, the parasitologist, this is kind of common knowledge, but, you know, there's... There's just not as much money in parasitology as there is in on in cancer. Big money in cancer. So that's I just, you know, does that prove you know, cancer equals parasite infection? No. But it's an interesting idea and it's uh it's someone who we hopefully will hear from on the podcast and, and talk about soon uh, has been exploring this idea of parasites causing uh, or microparasites, depending on you're asking causing cancer. And if parasites are there for pretty much everyone and your body is able to manage it and tell you, damage your immune system with a bunch of poisons um you know maybe we should be focused on things other than viruses and vaccines there going out on on a limb that's a seems logical to me so this this last section is pretty long it's um just because i was running out of time and didn't have time to, to clip it down, but uh, I think there's some interesting stuff here on what was in the in the vaccine. If it you know if it wasn't mRNA, what was what was going on there? And let's remember, what is it? It has to be frozen or whatever. What was the original temperatures were like negative forty degrees Fahrenheit right. or something? Originally, yeah, there was all the chain of custody it had to be frozen. It took the special freezers. They sold all those, and they said, "Ah, never mind." And we played the Sherry Tenpenny clip where she's like, "They, you know, did they change the formula because they, there was the stuff going on with the magnetic stuff, and there was, yeah, the." Oh, you got to keep it cold, otherwise it won't work, and you can't mix vaccines. And then, and then it just became, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Mix and match. You could take it at a, a drive-through with the, the, you know, been sitting out in the sun all day. Don't even worry about it. You got the Trudeau getting a booster where he's, you know, got the pre-drawn needle supposedly when that's against protocol. 
I don't think he was actually getting the booster, but uh, regardless. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is an int- it's long, but uh, I think it's interesting. The next point is, are, are those are our parasites. What if we're dealing with a synthetic parasite? And we actually, Larry, uh, Dr. Larry Polevsky and I talked about this way back. Notice the date on this. This is January, February, March, April, May, June, July 15th of 2021. We talked about the spike protein being a toxin, a synthetic toxin, a synthetic poison, not, not a viral agent. And, um, and so, that was what we were talking about then, but Karen Kingston has really uh, figured out a lot more about this. Now, what sh- what this is uh, one of my favorite people that is also one of her favorite people, Professor James Giordano, and I say he's our favorite like villain <laughs> scientist. I don't know him personally, and I don't want to say too much, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, this is creepy, bad. James Bond, uh, you know, Dr. Evil stuff that is coming out here. And here's what he's saying. He's saying exemptions for health and routine experimental use may foster a gray zone within which investigations for viability and employment as weapons may be undertaken. So he speaks in very flowery kind of convoluted English. But what he's saying here is, is that um, you can't make a bioweapon, a neural weapon and overtly do it because that violates the, uh, in, you know, the ethical constraints, but it, because we're, you know, it, under the guise of, of health and human wellness experimentation, you can experiment on everything, including bioweapons. That's essentially what I think he's saying there. Now, he gives a talk about the brain is the current and future battle space. He says you can access, uh, assess and affect the brain. And, um, that's what that's what we're talking about here with synthetic parasites. These things go all over. And what is the point here? The point is that these things are made with hydrogel that is not just a, a polymer that absorbs water like we know things do. This is a polymer that's cross-linked that absorbs water that also is genetically engineered, that can reproduce itself, that can grow, okay? And it can respond to the uh, stimulus from the outside, including wavelength. That's called smart genetically engineered hydrogel. Now, he was a member of the Neuroethics Subcommittee, um, a member of this organization, IEE Brain, and and he was the chairman of the Neuroethics Subcommittee. This is the kind of thing, though, that they have on their website, distributed wireless networks of micro implants for neural recording and stimulation. So they always do it under the core, under the guise of it being a disease like we're going to treat parkinson's i can't tell you how many times i've heard we're going to we're going to solve parkinson's well what is happening with this vaccine we're seeing more of it right we're seeing more als parkinson's strokes everything neurologic uh, just just um uh coma i mean just shutting your brain down um guillain barre i studied in the queen square institute of neurology and i never saw a case of guillain barre 800 bed hospital of neurologic patients i see it now Okay, now this is what Karen Kingston has come up with, and I think she's going to turn out to be completely right here, that they couldn't make this work with biologic genetic material. They couldn't make the bioweapon that way. So what they did is they made an artificial hydrogel of this smart GE hydrogel, and it it is it is the spike protein. Now, this is the picture on the right is what they call the spike protein, um, you know, just actually just one little part of it. But this, you know, this is 
the, the thing on the right is CGI. It's nothing. It's, it's, a, it's scary. Oh, spike protein. It sounds really scary. It's no more scary than my dryer ball that looks quite similar, only blue. But this thing on the left that the, that this, this hypodermic needle is pointing to, that is a nanoparticle bioweaponized smart hydrogel. And I think that may be what we're dealing with. It would also explain these big rubbery clots. These things are white and they make, they, they can make long clots. Now, what her point is, is that these things are AI created and they may in fact be AI themselves. They may actually have contact with the mother artificial intelligence and bring that into you. But they're, they are acting like parasites and they're synthetic. And they're controllable. So the spike protein has two configurations. In one configuration, it can't attack your ACE2 pathway. But given the right wavelength, these things conform to the other configuration. Now they can hook into your ACE2 pathway and make you sick. And they're made out of this genetically engineered hydrogel. So picture this. What could have happened and what I believe had happened without knowing this part of it, I believe from the get-go that this was a contact pathogen. So they're spreading this stuff in the air, the water, you name it. They spread it on surfaces, but then where they turn on 5G, people start getting sick because they've got this stuff in them and it reacts to it. It now binds with the ACE2 pathway and it makes makes you sick. You start losing your sodium. You start doing all the things we associate with the ACE2 pathway. And this does explain everything we see. Okay. Now, it's also these things are self-replicating, so it could also explain shedding. So this is my view of what happened in 2020 during the outbreak. First, you had on the left of this bell-shaped curve, phase one of the of the war against humanity here, the bio war. Phase one was spread this gel around in Wuhan and then in Lombardy and then in New York City. I can tell you in my state of Iowa, a friend of mine looked at the outbreaks of COVID and they came right along Highway 80 up the, which goes east to west across the state, right across the state in kind of a regular pattern. These outbreaks went, you know, it wasn't all over the state randomly. It was right up Highway 80 primarily. Those were the big outbreaks. Okay. And then they turned on the 5G in Wuhan and made it look really scary. But then I was graphing every day the death count. And you could see that the death count started to go back down in America and in other countries, just like a normal seasonal death season, right? But they then implemented these fake PCR tests to convince everybody that, oh, it was all over the place. It was getting worse, even in the face of diminishing death. Okay, it was getting worse and everybody had to be afraid. So the death count was coming down and then people were afraid. So they went out and got this vaccine that contained the same uh, genetically engineered hydrogel toxic pseudoprotein. And now they're having results from that. Now, there are also other toxins in the vaccine, including the graphene oxide, which we can talk about. But I don't think those are long term problems. Those are short term problems. I think graphene oxide probably gets excreted through the kidney. I mean, through the, not through the kidney, through the liver, um, very much like carbon 60 does. So I don't think that's a long-term problem, but in the short term, graphene oxide damages you by stripping out the negative charges in the vascular tree and causing clotting, causing low formation and probably clotting. But those are the normal clots. What we're seeing later that the morticians are taking out of people are these big, whitish, rubbery, weird clots. That would go along with the hydrogel. I'm I'm kind of torn. I feel she really puts a lot of stuff together that we've talked about in bits and pieces there. Um, 
and kind of the greatest hits. We got James Giordano making an appearance. We got Karen Kingston. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you that this uh, listening to that clip uh, while feeling absolutely terrible and not being <laughs> able to breathe very well and really starting to get delirious it adds a another layer of uh, engagement to the to the clip. Yeah. Knowing that there's a 5G tower just down the road here. Yeah, and the <clears throat> yeah we've talked about chemtrails. Also, we're gonna have to wrap soon because I, I can't handle it much longer. Just letting yeah. you know. <laughs> no, I, I'm. I mean, that was the last clip, so I just had a couple comments on it. But I figured, but I don't know if it was uh, just the the late hour of the night, me being awake this long, standing up this long, or just the psychosomatic uh, version of the clip but from when the clip started to now i feel much worse so. oh no so anyway um so I, i'm being taken over by parasites and fried by 5g and it doesn't make me feel very good <laughs> well i di- i didn't have time to pull the clips where she talks about a possible solution a uh, d a parasite treatment how often it, do they talk about coffee enemas um, I don't believe she does. Okay. That's a, you know, that's a, you know, you're knock yourself out, Tim. But, hey, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't taken one. I'm just saying like some of these people we read, they, you know, they were talking about the coffee enemas yeah, yeah. Uh, related to parasites. I think it was, but this, this will, this will make you happy. Guess what she does talk about. In her parasites and the elimination protocol that she did for herself. Exercise. Uh, she used... Oh, that's... That's a okay guess. Sunlight. For, for, sick, t- for sick Tim... <laughs> no, for you specifically, what do you always mention for anti-parasitical? Oh, ivermectin. No. Hydroxychloroquine? No. Uh, Epsom salt bath. <laughs> okay, maybe. Did I just hallucinate? You always mention this, and what is it? What it's is important? Just, just tell me. <laughs> uh, so I'll just read a, a couple paragraphs, and I've got the the protocol in there. It'll be linked in the show notes, as they say. Uh, the too long didn't read version. If you don't have time right now to read all the stuff below, is your brief summary of what I did for myself. I used both uh, nitazoxanide oh, from yeah. grantpharmacy.com or another source and. What, Mel- Tim? Melatonin? No, fenbendazole. Oh, well, I don't talk about that on the show. I didn't know that's what we were talking about. Oh. Yeah. Which is easily available from farm supply stores. Both these yep. drugs have been tested in humans and have very high safety margins. I'm not aware of side effects at normal doses, except those from the elimination of parasites. So I begin with fenbendazole as a panicure C that is available for animals. I later got pills of fenbendazole for ease of use from Grant Pharmacy overseas. I do- dose myself with the dose given on the syringe for animals. It goes by poundage. Yada, yada, yada. So, um, an interesting... So, she talks about some of the effects. And it, 
she says, I alternated these drugs for, so you go like a, a few days on and a few days off. Um, I did this for three consecutive days then five days off, then repeated. And then you try to lengthen the time off basically. Okay. Until you get to like a month, a month between dosing. Um, she says, I alternated these drugs for about six months. I tried stopping earlier to go to monthly maintenance, but when I did so, I got sneezy, eye-watering, etc., consistent with mild Herxheimer reaction from too many dead parasites. That told me I still had egg sacs in need of hatching out. I mm. then went back to cycling uh, three on, five to seven days off, and slowly increased the off time. Later, I did give myself two weeks between doses, but when I did that too early... I would again have these symptoms. So, um, and then she says, now I do daily or monthly treatment with one of these drugs. And in addition, I'm using chlorine dioxide. We've got a listener. who will be happy to hear that. Mm -hmm. Uh, drops that I drink daily and do the, the bath. Uh, there's a Epsom salt bath. Yeah. See chlorine dioxide, how to on the front of the website. All right. So, there's more, there's actually several more pages there, so I won't go through all of it, but it is there if you're interested. And, you know, the parasite paradigm will explore it more in the future, but I think there's something to it. Absolutely. And I have a teaser for everybody. I think I mentioned this on the show briefly before, but I'll bring it back up. I have a, f a family member who has a close friend who was told that he was going to die of cancer. And he started taking fenbendazole, which is dog dewormer, at a super high dose on a specific protocol and is alive to this day. And if you search it on the internet... <coughs> is he the guy that featured on local news? Is he featured on local, local news here? Yeah. Maybe. I'll ask uh, my family member. Um, well, I, I had a clip last week, and then I took it out. Oh, okay. Fair enough. No, it was, it was not recent. It was several years back. No, this was several years back. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Judging off the family member uh, and how many people they know, it very likely could be somebody that's kind of infamous. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I shortly afterwards started a subscription. I purchased a... One packet of finbendazole for my dog, and uh, just decided <laughs> to subscribe to one packet every two weeks. So my dog died, and my wife was like, "You know, we could probably cancel this subscription." I was like, "Yeah, maybe just keep it going. You might get another dog someday." <laughs> uh, I've I've foisted so much upon her. I don't want to let her know I'm trying to eat dog dewormer as well. So yeah, <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Well, you can let you can let Doctor Lee Merritt explain it to her. So, fair enough. Uh, yeah, turns out they came up with some you know money making drugs that killed parasites in dogs. I mean, I have uh, ivermectin around here somewhere that's uh, known to kill uh, all kinds of worms and and bot flies and everything else. So. You know, it just and says it, it right on the packaging. It will kill these just parasites. Weird, all these anti-parasite drugs, and the guy cured his cancer with it. Really weird? strange. How would that even happen? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yes. Yeah, so there's more to come on that. We'll let Tim 
get some rest. Thanks, but, everybody, for listening. I don't think the show is going to be out first thing in the morning. I'm, this might be awake and get the show out <laughs> ASAP type of deal. So, Well, that's, that's fine. And people have it during the Thanksgiving weekend when there's not a whole lot of other you know content being put out there so all right i got verses verses right. of the week proverbs nineteen twenty. listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future and then uh, number tw- verse 21 many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the lord that will stand and i you know I don't mean to criticize since you came prepared and I did not, but it feels like we should have some Thanksgiving theme in the verse somewhere. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, listen to advice and accept instruction, I thought was good, but let me see. What else do we oh, have? Oh, it was here? good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but uh, now get some rest, Tim, and... Thank you for doing a show, even not feeling good. Yes. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I, I, I could go on a mini rant, but I'm so tired I don't want to. But can we just let Thanksgiving alone? Can we just leave it alone? Why is Christmas taking over Thanksgiving? Get up a Christmas tree. Get to buy the stuff for Christmas. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. It's just like one day. Just eat, talk to your family, hang out. Like it's not that hard. Just let, just let it have one day. Ugh. Anyway, this is shortened. I feel too sick to go on about this rant from Tim. I think you don't have to let them take over Thanksgiving, Tim. I'm not letting them take over Thanksgiving. You don't darken the door of a single store ever in your life. So. <laughs> You, you, do, you don't know what's actually going is, on out that's there. That's only a slight exaggeration. Yeah. I mean, does buying golf balls count? Oh, I don't buy golf balls. Oh, yeah. That's for the plebes. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. It is a great holiday. Don't run out afterwards and go buy a bunch of stuff. I know our listeners won't. Just enjoy your time with your family. Keep the political talk to a minimum and try to be examples of jesus out there amen salt and light in a decaying world in a parasite ridden decaying world indeed (laughs) Uh, (laughs) do we cut the show with my laughing cough thanks guys i'm gonna i'm gonna cut it that's a wrap thank you guys A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say